Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Harmony, and I'm just so happy that you're here with me today. As many of you know, today is the last Sunday that you will be able to sign up for the Inner Circle membership where you can get the bonus podcasts, classes with me, uh, pranayama chanting, Mysore, and a monthly conference with Yoga Sutra study group. I hope that you will join. Enrollment closes January 31st. You don't want to miss out. It is very inexpensive, less than a dollar a day to join. So I hope that you will become an Inside Circle member. It's a wonderful way to support the podcast and the work that we're doing here in bringing you very interesting guests each week and all of the work that goes into editing and creating each episode. So please become an Inner Circle member. You'll also get the bonus library of many recorded classes, mantras, meditations, and access to a private Facebook group as well as WhatsApp access um, to me through our online WhatsApp group. So lots of privilege and bonus when you join and become a member. It's an excellent way to stay in touch and to join a beautiful community, become a member of our fan club, um, all these different bonuses. So you can find the information in the show notes um, and on my website, harmonyslater.com and sign up to become an Inner Circle member. So today our guest is a good friend of mine, Satinder Khalsa. He's a very interesting person who has a very interesting story. He came to the practice of Ashtanga Yoga as a younger man, um, looking for a way to kind of create maybe a little bit of asceticism in his life and to relieve himself from a lot of the suffering and repression that he was feeling at that time. Um, he has great stories about uh, entering the practice at this time in his life, but his journey took him away from the Ashtanga Yoga lineage and practice and more into the Kundalini lineage and practice of Yogi Bhajan, where he became a teacher and practitioner and was given the spiritual name Satinder Khalsa. So we're going to hear all about this journey. Eventually, his path comes full circle back into the Ashtanga Yoga practice and lineage and how he got here, we will find out. And that's where I met him in Mysore, India. He came and was an assistant teacher on one of my retreats in Goa uh, several years ago, back in 2018 to 19 in Purple Valley. And um, he's just a wonderful human being with a very devoted heart. He's interested in pursuing the path of Tantra, not in the way that mainstream media and culture um, define Tantra as sort of a sexual kind of cult, but Tantra meaning turning everything in, in your life into a spiritual practice, using the regular things in your life to enhance your bhakti, your spiritual connection. He is a great devotee of the Devi or the goddess. That's how I always um, remember him as, as having a heart for this divine feminine. And 
he has a cutting wit and tongue and is just a really hilarious, wonderful person. So I can't wait for you to meet him. He's now actually moved back to India, living full time with his guru, his spiritual teacher there, diving into practice and um, living the life that many of us can only dream of, where we would uh, be able to retire into sort of a hermitage and or an ashram setting and just practice yoga all day long. So I hope he's listening all the way in Mysore, India, and I hope that you enjoy listening wherever you are in the world today. And thank you so much for tuning in. So without further ado, here's Satinder Khalsa along with Russell Case and myself. The following program contains coarse language and content that some listeners may find offensive. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I am so happy you're here today. I'm here with Russell Kay. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Bright and cheerful as always on the Sunday morning broadcast. Yeah, and we have... <laughs> Try a- and keep it light. <laughs> Really, really fun guest for you today, Satinder Kalsa. Hello, Satinder. How are you? I'm really good. How are you? Good. I understand you're in some some foreign country. Yeah, I try to stay in foreign countries most of the time. (laughs) Um, And for some reason, Germans like me, so I'm in Frankfurt, Germany, teaching right now. For have been since the uh, middle of October. Why do you suppose Germans like you so much? Um, You know, partially because this is my idea. Uh, I'm (laughs) if you look at my DNA, I'm kind of like 60 percent German from Ah. both sides of my family. Mm. But I'm also the rest of me is mostly Native American. Um, Oh, interesting. But I'm lighter than they are often. So I try to make them relax a lot. And I think they like that. Ah. You're lighter than you're lighter lighter in skin tone energy. I don't think you could be lighter in skin tone. I'm fatter than everyone here, but I'm lighter in my brain. I'm (laughs) no, you haven't seen you haven't seen you haven't seen below this line. You mean just this your yoga students you're fatter than not like the people. on. Um, There's a lot of large Germans. Oh, no, Germans. No, Germans are pretty fit. I they're in general they're here in Cologne. I've been most of the time, and they're they're pretty fit over here. When you fly, they, they walk a lot and they're active. When you yeah. fly Lufthansa, you're really very much aware of the difference in in racial superiority. Do I mean? To, do I want to go there? No. Oh, no. Sorry. No. No. We're not allowed to make Nazi jokes. <laughs> which which Jewish holiday is it today? Anyway, I have I'm a, not going to say any of those words. Yeah, <laughs> I have a uh, intro for our our um, for those for Martha in Florida. If you are if you don't know our guest, you probably do. But I'm just going to. I found this off the internet. Very excited. Satinder uh, Khalsa, our guest today, serves as secretary on the board of directors of the 3HO Foundation of Missouri Incorporated, no. a private 501c3 <laughs> educational organization for the development and promotion of Kundalini Yoga. That's fantastic. You've been co-director of the Kundalini Yoga Center since 1977. I didn't know that you were so old, but you do... When I look at you, um, yeah. you do. That's the other. Do that's look, the one I told you not to talk about. That's um, my teacher from Kansas City, and she is older. Your teacher is the same name as you, and it's all. A f- How'd that happen? In, so when you when you if you get 
get involved with kundalini yoga long enough and you decide to take a spiritual name mm -hmm. they you know they have a little website to give you a spiritual name mm. and then you get it seek you become you take a seek name mm -hmm. so khalsa is if after you get baptized and i got baptized and i changed my name legally and everything well but you are as a male you Males and females in the Sikh faith have the same name because they view males and females as equal. Mm. And her name is Satinder Kar and mine is Satinder Singh. Singh is the masculine mm. uh, line of God and Kar is princess, kind of princess of God. Um, oh, cool. Sort of thing. And then Khalsa you take if you become baptized. And her and her husband joined early on in the or i think yogi bhajan came to san francisco in uh 68 or 69 and they joined like not like 74 or something like that you know when i was a jew in illinois i also got baptized but no one gave me the name khalsa that's because you were baptized as a christian you were, baptized, were you baptized as a christian i was baptized as a christian yeah then why did you say you were a jew who got baptized that's because very, i was born uh, jewish and then i got baptized yeah, and then uh, joined okay. uh, like a, um, and then became happy, a Hindu. Well, I, be, I was, I mean, not <laughs> formally, but you know, like a happy, clappy kind of Pentecostal kind of Jew. Um, so you're from Missouri? <laughs> I don't understand this at all. No, I'm from Illinois. You're from, from Illinois. A, you're not. I'm a. I, we already talked about this. I texted not... you. Remember when I found out Laruga was from Edwardsville? Because I'm oh, like ten minutes from Edwardsville. That's my right. mom still lives in the same house I grew up in. And Miles yeah. Davis is like five miles from you as well. That's right. Yeah. I think so. And yeah. Richard yeah. Freeman. <laughs> Richard Freeman's from St. Louis. And yeah, you're on the when I was eight. You're on the east, East St. Louis. Right, on the east side of yeah. the Mississippi River. And St. Mm -hmm. Louis was the big city, you know, so I moved there when I, <laughs> I graduated high school and moved there two, two months, two weeks later, something like that. Mm. Wow. Uh, I just want to remind you that, you know, uh, conversations that we've had privately, our, our listeners at home have not heard. <laughs> so we're going to try and open up these conversations I, to those nice people. I told, I, I think Pink I covered one. what we talked about yeah. privately. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever meet Richard Freeman in, uh, in St. Louis? No, no, because when I he's not that old. He's no. much younger. I am that old. Thank you. I'm not that much younger. Um, <laughs> I'm fifty. I'll be fifty-two in May. Right. Um, yeah, we could have gone to high school together. <laughs> yeah, but no. He. Whenever I started Ashtanga, I drove to Boulder to meet Patabi and Richard hosted, oh, and cool. Mary thought it was cool and was trying to get me to really. And Richard to really interact, but Richard at the time was kind of, you know, an outer space. At the time? <laughs> well, I don't know anymore, but. Oh my God, I, man. He's, he's he, still from a he different would not planet. Claim, yeah. He would not claim St. Louis because he didn't want people to bother his mom because his mom was still alive. Oh, oh goodness. Right. She, since she passed away, she he's gotten more op open about where he's mm. from. Can you imagine like all the yoga fans like knocking on his mom's door? <laughs> no, yeah. I can't imagine that. that. Actually, I'm fine. This whole story. Your mom would love it's it. Like, yeah, my mom would love it. If you ever like, if you ever been to New Orleans near Ann Rice's house, all the goth people standing out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, out, out, out on the street. Yeah, it would maybe be like that. It would be all the little people like standing out there with their yeah. Namaste hands and their yoga mats. The <laughs> you know. <laughs> Tell us, I know this is going to be a difficult conversation, um, but what was it like for you growing up in Illinois? 
Um, it's not difficult. I hated every minute of it, but I've made my peace with that. And my mom knows all this, so I'm not ashamed to say any of it. I was telling her last night, if I say something and you hear this podcast, you know, she said, I'm, you'll be yourself. I think it's okay. My mom is pretty cool with who I am. You know, she knows I'm, uh, I used to be so shy and backwards and I hid behind her leg. And when Aww. I came out from behind her leg, I, she's, she like I, she doesn't really recognize who I am anymore, so she's okay with it. At, We've, she's she's pretty cool. At what point would you say, like, say, junior high or high school, did you start coming out from behind her leg and being <laughs> who you are? Um, I was fourteen, and I had migraines a lot because mm-hmm. I was like, I was so so like painfully shy. Uh, speech class was the only class I got a D in because I hated that. And I'm super. I'm really smart. And I could figure out all the stuff to write the speech, but I hated talking. Mm. So 14, I had a pediatrician tell me that I needed to um, start letting stuff out. And he made my mom leave the room, which really bothered her because she's she and I are like, you know, like this. So Very close. Yeah. Little, gay, little gay boys and their mothers are like, you know. <laughs> Uh, it says a lot about so, me and my mom, actually. That's interesting. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> You're very close, also. <laughs> well, Castro District, you know. Anyway. Um, One of the so, best places I've ever lived. Yeah, Francisco's pretty cool. Yeah, but she, when he, when he, he asked her to leave, she was kind of upset by it. But he said to me, "You have to." start letting stuff out. If you keep holding it in, you're going to give yourself an aneurysm. And of course, I really didn't understand what an aneurysm was. Right. And he told me what it was. And I thought, no, I'm not ready to die. So oh I God. took him at his word. And I actually stopped having migraines almost oh, wow. immediately. And but then I also started saying fuck and all these words that my mom didn't like. And I started being very honest. My sister would be like, oh, it's, how does this outfit look? And I said, well, it looks terrible on you. And she's like, I don't know, you know. <laughs> So this is when my outspokenness began. It got cultivated and cultured over the next, since you guys met me, like 30 years. But um, <laughs> that's, that's so actually... it's a lot more refined and actually worse now. But it, yeah. it was pretty raw back then. But it that's started around 14. That's wow. really interesting. I feel like I can really sympathize or empathize with that because I, I also was painfully unable to, to speak. But when I did start talking it was really offensive to other people. And I would really yeah. like say things that were really inappropriate because I just like, I offend it, people quite often. It was a dog why we... off the leash. Yeah. It was... Yeah. Yeah. So I've gotten better about being so rough with every word, but I still deliver the punch. I am still pretty strong about that. I yeah. can't help it. So here you're 14, you're in high you're in high school in Illinois. What do you how do you dress when you go to school? What do you look like? What kind of which member of the breakfast club are you? Um well, I thought about that when I saw your list of that and that question was there. I I don't <laughs> fit in the breakfast club. I really didn't. So I identified, you know, with Judd Nelson because he was hot, you know, but I wasn't quite that grungy guy, you know, and I, I liked, I didn't like Emilio Estevez's character at all because he, I, that was nothing to like me at all. Sporty preppy. There's Ali Sheedy. Ali Sheedy probably is the closest for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If it was, but I really wanted to be Molly Ringwald. 
Yeah. <laughs> but I'm also a little bit like the, what's the blonde kid? I forgot his name. Michael, um, yeah. Anthony Michael Hall. Anthony Michael Hall. Because I'm a nerd and I, I read collegiate level from fourth grade. You know, wow. I was, I was pretty smart and, but I hated school. So I would do all my work in class. Cause I'm like, why should I take this home? Why would you do this stuff at home? Right. They were always trying to give you homework. And I'm like, no, this home is for me. No, it's your space. <laughs> that's not, that's my time. Why yeah. are they like, you don't get my time. So I did it in <laughs> class and I did, I did. Okay. I had mostly C's, but yeah. that's okay. That's how Jediah feels about it. homework too. I always say, do you have homework? He's like, no, I did everything in school. Good. <laughs> yeah. And did you have this kind of foot long beard in high school? It's not a foot long. Yeah. You didn't see me when it was down to my navel. It was like, wow. that was impressive. Mm. Um, no, but I started shaving at 13 because yeah. I, I had a lot of, it was there. There was mm -hmm. a lot of stuff going on. Okay. <laughs> and you know, it was the eighties. So a little mustache and a little chin hair was cool, but yeah. Okay. A little goatee. Yeah. Goatee and some, and some sideburns. Yeah. Yeah. I had those, I had those, um, who was the fellow from 90210? Oh, Dylan. Dylan. Whatever his name was. I don't know. His name Brandon, was Brandon. Brandon and Dylan. Brandon had, and Dylan. They, they, they both had kind of goatees, didn't they? And they yeah. had the sideburns. And that's, I got the sideburns yeah. for that. Yeah. Because it was, <laughs> it was attractive. Um, gosh. So, so how did you, I want to know how we got into Kundalini yoga. Well, yeah, I want to know. Yeah. What your, like your spiritual practice in high school. Could you describe it? Was it there? Is it, was there a part yes. of you that recognizes yourself then? Well, I can, I mean, I like telling stories. So if you're willing to listen, I'll tell you the whole story of it. It's yes, it please started because I loved, you know, at 13 terms of endearment came out and I loved Shirley MacLaine in terms of endearment, of course. <laughs> right. so, uh, um, what young gay boy doesn't. Right. Yeah. And so a few years later, she did a mini series of her book out on a limb mm -hmm. on TV for five or six nights, you know, like two hours each night. Yeah, I remember I those mini-series. <laughs> yeah, I asked mom if I could watch it because she knew I loved that movie. Yeah, you can watch it. But she also knew what she had heard about Shirley MacLaine. You know, everyone thought she was mm -hmm. a little crazy. She's a little crazy. Yeah. yeah. So she watched it with me, and I really loved it. So then I went and read the book, mm -hmm. and that started me kind of questioning everything. Because mm -hmm. I, I was raised Baptist, but my mom didn't force me to get baptized when it came time. Mm -hmm. I had it. She let me have the choice. Mm -hmm. Right. So this was like a few years after that. And I was ready to explore. And Shirley talks about all this stuff. But she also talks about doing yoga with Bikram and, right. you know, mm -hmm. um, all this other stuff. And that was the first kind of inkling I had. You know, I when I was a kid, I studied like kid, like nine and 10. I was studying Greek mythology because that's. Yeah. Yeah. I had read the comic books and Norse mythology. Thor was in the comics and all the Greek gods were in the comics. Super. So fun. I thought I didn't really realize that that actually existed. People really believe that stuff. Right. Yeah. Until <laughs> until I read the Shirley book and I was like, wow. And because she was talking about channelers and people channeling spirits. And mm -hmm. and I thought, oh, people like, this is real for people. Oh, no, there's a lot more magic in the world. I can't do this fucking, this, this Baptist shit. I can't do it, you know. But Jesus so. is magic for those, uh, those of you at home. Uh, we do acknowledge that he is magic. Yeah. Sure. <clears throat> okay. But the, the people in the church, maybe not so much. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes not. 
Right. So I didn't have a good experience in church. Yeah. So when I was 18 and I moved out, I became a Wiccan and Whoa. just started ah. from there and tried everything. Yeah. Why did you move out at 18? Did... That's what you do. Yeah. That's what that's what people do. Did uh, your dad you wanna, your, did your dad encourage you to move out? Or was it just you and mom? Um, no, dad and mom got divorced in uh, 81 or 2, mm-hmm. something like that. Okay. So I was living with my mom. I never had a close, super close relationship with my dad. Recently, we've kind of made uh, peace with that and found some connection, Okay, um, which was nice. But no, he wasn't around. And I was like, uh, I'm not a rule follower. I like to learn the rules to the letter so that I know how to break them. <laughs> right. So when I moved out, I dyed my hair. I got, I got four, I've got six piercings in my ears. I got two of them immediately. And I got, um, I dyed my hair. I started wearing really crazy clothes and getting wild haircuts. And I moved to St. Louis and I started working at a stock brokerage firm in St. Louis. And so I made a little money. I bought a car. Wait a second. And I started partying. How could those, how could those things all go to, how could you get the piercings and the, and dye your hair and what kind of crazy clothes could you still work at a stock brokerage? I, my, okay, I'm, I'm, I told you I'm smart, right? So <laughs> I decided as long as I followed the rules of what we were supposed to wear, mm-hmm. I could wear whatever I wanted within that, that sort of framework. Mm-hmm. So everything I, like I had, do you remember those puppy sleeve shirts? Sure. Yeah. The, tight, the romantic, and romantic the, ones. Neil the romantic. But mine Neil had, romantic. But mine had the collar and it buttoned up and I could wear a tie with it right and then I wear the flare bottom pants with it you know yeah my earrings I had big huge jewelry back then everything you know yeah. I just went I was like okay went for I it. did get in trouble one time because I also did drag during that time right. which is right. a whole nother story sure but <laughs> I, I couldn't always get all of the oh, eyeliner. eyeliner off yeah. and my boss uh my boss's boss called me in his office and asked me about wearing eyeliner and I said well I'm done. I don't have any makeup on I said and if I have it on the weekends it's, I can do that it's because you're not paying me on the weekends and he's like you're right you're right and I said but look it's nothing there and I thought fuck I hope nothing comes off of my fingers <laughs> and, I went like and nothing was there yeah. and he's like okay I believe you I believe you I'm sorry you know I'm like okay and yet still people... in the closet at work it's amazing that you're able to hold those oh I was never in the closet <laughs> no <laughs> no just no, just the closet eyeliner. kicked me out at <laughs> kicked you 14, out. 15. I just didn't I just didn't want to be wearing makeup because back then it still wasn't, you know. But yeah. I don't understand how, how you could eyeliner you could at even, work was against the rules. Yeah, I, for boys. I just don't understand how you could even get that job in the first place. Given the kind um, of I had latent cousins, hostility. I had cousins who worked there and got me some applications and I filled them out. I came in and had the interview and I was, you know, I had done all business prep courses in high school okay. and I didn't want to go to college. So I was great on machines and typing. I typed 110 words a minute. I was amazing. I was, uh, you know, I was prepared for it. That's kind of what my four years of high school did for me was um, prepared me for that. So you were like an, an administrative assistant kind of for the stockbrokers. Well, there's a, there's a long story of what I did, but it's not, I had, I worked in the cage. They called it the cashier cage ah, where yeah. we held. We actually handled the stocks and bond certificates right. back when they still issued them, mutual funds certificates, everything. And I would get them transferred. Yeah. And then eventually, I worked up 
the ladder to handling estate accounts. So when you died, I would get all the paperwork for your state to get it distributed to your heirs and stuff like that. Wow. But we, we, we would go to lunch and get drunk. We partied. We had a good time. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I learned a lot at that place. That's the, when I started discovering, oh my God, there's clubs where gay people go and, and get drunk together. What in the hell is this? And, you know, I started, I went out to outer limits from there. So you were in the big city. You and Harmony have a lot in common, actually, because you were also discovering the same thing, sweetie. Kind of. You, I was working in a bank and dating a stockbroker and, and getting drunk at, at lunch <laughs> yeah. and then going to the gay clubs in the, in the weekend. It's true actually yeah all those things well, i mean there's a reason harmony and i like each other yeah. I, you know yeah. i knew her before i knew you yeah <laughs> we we're having I a was... similar life experience at that stage right i was in the right. i was going to all the gay clubs in in new orleans in high school and i was dressing in drag on the weekend at uh, the rocky horror picture show magenta was my favorite and you know i, I still feel am i part of the circle i'm not sure sure you're invited in well, it's still. You're, I'm, you're at the very edge. <laughs> but I'm still. Conf- we might pull you in a, a little bit later. Not yet, though. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of the the Kundalini people they seem to attract uh, students who have who are at the end of their rope, and I'm wondering if that's how you got into Kundalini. Is that you 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 kind of partied a little too hard and hit rock bottom? Is that is is that possible? I started so um, Barry. You just recently did Barry, right? That's and right. Barry started with Kundalini, and I started with Ashtanga, and we flipped. Oh wow! So oh, I started with this. So in St. Louis, I started in by myself. There was one girl teaching classes, and then I bought David Swenson's book. Mm-hmm. And five months later, I drove to Colorado to see Patabi oh. uh, on, on one of his tours. Wow. And before that, Eddie Stern had just published the hardback of Yoga Mala in English. And yeah. I ordered it and he, he rushed it to me so I could. So I have a signed copy. And Amazing. I wow. was excited for all that. But when I was in the back of Yoga Journal, when it was still almost semi-valid magazine before it became a bunch <laughs> yeah, of yeah, ad, yeah. ads and crap 2000 um there yeah. was the videos the 93 videos patavi had put yeah. out first and second series which i knew nothing of second series and i ordered them but on the same page was gurmuk Khalsa's uh kundalini video yeah and right. i just saw her face and i thought oh there's something about that woman that i really like she's you know that beatific glow coming yeah. from her face and so I ordered it also. Oh, cool. Um, I never did it. I had it for a year before I did it because I was doing, I was doing Ashtanga and I'm super obsessed, you know? Right. So finally I took a moon day. I never took moon days until I hurt myself on a moon day. Mm. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I need to do something today. And I did that video and that shit was like it. <laughs> I was sweating like from places I didn't know existed because Gurmukh will kick your fucking ass. You know, she... <laughs> Yogi Bhajan set times for each Kriya that mm-hmm. you do in a sequence, and she never shortened them. Most teachers shorten them. She kept it the full thing. So yeah. if you go to a solstice event with Gurmukh, you'll do one Kriya for 62 minutes, and yeah. you're doing like holding someone's arms, and you're dangling down and holding like that for an hour. And yeah. you're like, you go to every extreme you can. So yeah. um, I th- I would say that when I started full-time Kundalini, I probably 
was at my wits end with my Ashtanga practice because I was killing myself trying to do third series without a teacher. I had studied with Nancy enough to learn intermediate series, mm -hmm. but when I was trying to do third, I was, I was not, I was just, it was too much for me and I mm -hmm. needed, I needed to kind of let go of it. So I did Ashtanga still, but I mostly focused on Kundalini like in my eighth, like 2008, I started Kundalini. But I'm, can we, can we just back up just a bit? I'm just confused why you felt the need to start doing yoga when you had, you were developing this kind of, this lifestyle in St. Louis, it seems, you know, kind of exciting and fresh going to clubs and, and working. And it's not that, it's not that exciting. I mean, you get to a certain <laughs> point and you're realizing the emptiness of it all, you know, there's a certain mm -hmm. in the, in gay culture, it's all based around conquest and sex. And I'm, I, I, I'm not saying that everyone's like that, but there's such a thing mm -hmm. about that. And I, I, you can get so much sex and so much partying and so much drugs to a point where you are frazzled, you know, mm -hmm. you just, and I had had a friend, uh, maybe in 92, trying to get me to his yoga class with him, mm. uh, at his college, but his college was like 40 minutes out of the city. And I just didn't feel like driving that far. So I never went. And finally I gave in and tried in early 2000. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't, I was some weird, uh, weird place in St. Louis where they do Kundalini yoga type stuff called psychophysicals. And then they did like 12 postures. They would do a cold shower in the middle of the class. Ooh, and then you fantastic. would do yoga nidra in every class. Wow. <laughs> and at the end you would do 12 postures and then they would, you were there for three hours when you went. Wow. And I couldn't walk the next day because <laughs> I had never moved like that in my life. I had never done anything with my body. It was super lazy and I couldn't walk. So I was like, Oh, something happened here. I got to figure this out, you know? And that's when I went to uh, this hippie grocery store in, in St. Louis at the time that I, I don't know if it's still open or not, but they had a yoga journal magazine and I had seen it once. Mm -hmm. So I went there and bought that magazine and inside was, and the interview with Madonna about, doing Ashtanga and right. doing this movie. Yeah. And I read the right. word Ashtanga and it just like bumped something in my brain. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. And after that, I went through the yellow pages. If we remember the yellow pages, yeah. which is dating myself. <laughs> They're actually yellow. And they were, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very yellow. Day glow. <laughs> but there were only, there were like eight studios. So I called all, and back then you listened to the answering machine, right? To hear what mm -hmm. classes were there and what they offered. And one had Ashtanga, which I thought was the right word. Yeah. And I went to her beginner's And is that the one you went to? Oh, yeah, wow. That's the yeah. one I went to. And then you she just started exploring though. on she, your own. Well, she, she had studied with um, a girl in town who had lived with Beryl Binder Birch and learned a lot from her. Mm -hmm. So she was, but she was an Anyasara teacher, really. And so mm. she came. Aren't you sorry? Sure. <laughs> um, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Let, let your wife explain that. To you. <laughs> um, so it, um, she wasn't teaching it. She was teaching with a lot of alignment, you know, the loops and spirals and all that stuff. She wasn't. Anusara is the one that has no friends, right? <laughs> he has a whole joke book on Anusara. I'm Anusara. trying to decide if I'm going res <laughs> to respond to him or not. I'm going to ignore him. Just ignore yeah. him. Yeah. So you're still on the outer edge of the circle, Russell. Stay over, stay over there for a minute. 
but she focused a little bit. I knew there was something more that I wanted from it, and that's when I drove to see uh, Richard. But how'd you, in color. But how'd you even color. hear about that? Was it like like a back, yeah back was, then? How'd um, you hear about Patabi Joyce in Colorado? Well, because I had this book, for, I had ordered this book from David Swenson, and he talked about it in there, and I. So I figured the the little short old Indian man was the one who created all of it, and yeah. I started going on. You know, there my partner. I had a partner at the time, which I've never had one since. Well, that's a whole nother story. Good for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with it. Uh, but he had a computer, and so we. I would go on there and just type in Ashtanga Yoga. There wasn't Google, but you typed it in the Yahoo bar, and it would some yeah. things would come up. And Richard's website came up, so I read it. And I talked to my partner and I was like, okay, I, I, something's happening and I need to go to India and see this little man. I don't know why, but I need to go. And he was like, no, cause I can't pay the rent. You need to stay here and work and blah, blah, blah. So <laughs> yeah. I looked around and decided to, once I saw Richard's website at the time, David Swenson had a website. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think Nancy had a website yet, but um, Tim Miller had a website. And they all talked about K. Patavi Joyce, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So then on Richard's website, he mentioned he was bringing him in August of that year or oh, September. Wow. And I called because back then you, I didn't know about emailing. I was not that clever with that stuff. And so I <laughs> called and talked to Mary because Mary actually answered the phone back then. Right. <laughs> and she said, oh, yeah, you just you write us a check and you mail us the check for $150 for the week and oh, then we'll hold your spot. That's so cheap. They even... <laughs> yeah, they even found me a a place to stay with two of their students who wow. I'm still friends with. They're lovely people who live there. And I had a great time. It was phenomenal. I, I enjoyed every minute of it. I couldn't walk. I couldn't move most of the time. And I met this girl from <laughs> D.C. We became friends when we were out there. And she's like this muscular climber. So we go hiking in the front range and all the shit. And Right. I, I got home and I thought I told my par- partner, I said, Tom, I'm just going to sleep for a week. OK, <laughs> OK, <laughs> I, I couldn't. My body was done. It was I was a skinny little kid who'd never done all this. So five months and then this intensive week and climbing in the right. mountains. And I was I was spent. Amazing. Anyway, how did how you did then find Nancy Gilgoff? Oh, so two years later, after 9-11 happened, the mm-hmm. stock the stock exchange was it had the bottom had dropped out of it after yep. the after 9-11 so mm-hmm. i was working for ag edwards at the time um and they were doing a, they had announced in was it in november it was in the year it was in 90 no 2001 mm-hmm. that in february of 2002 they were going to do a layoff and they were going to mm-hmm. also offer um early retirement at the same benefits as if you were at the proper age to retire to people of that age. Jesus. And I went to, I went again to the guy who asked me about the eyeliner, Bob, Bob Mertz. So if he's listening, he probably is dead, but I don't know. Um, I went to him and he was my boss's supervisor, but we had established this relationship because of the eyeliner. We became, right. you know, I could talk to him pretty easy. Mm. So I went to him and I said, so if I want to, volunteer for this layoff is it possible and he said why do you want to and i told him i've been doing this yoga and it's making me think i need to do something different with my life and i want to do something else and he's like okay that's enough i don't want you know <laughs> I don't want to hear 
I'll go to the HR and ask him and see what's going on. So like two days later, he came, called me and said, hey, I talked to HR. They said, if you, you type out a letter saying that you want to volunteer and you would like the same benefits as the people who are being willingly let go. So I would get a severance package, access to my 401k plan, all that, you know, that stuff. He said, and make sure you list each thing in there. They will, then they'll read it and see if it gets approved and they'll let me know. So I did that. He helped me write the letter. Uh, they approved it and they treated it as a retirement. So at 32, I retired from corporate America. Jesus. Wow. Nice. <laughs> and I had like, I had 40 or $50,000 in the bank and I decided, okay, now I'm going to India. Right. I'm going and this is it. I've got money. I can do it. I paid off my car. I did all the things I needed to do. And then I got on that, you know, the big box, you know, how big the computers were back yeah. then. Like, mm, <laughs> long. And I typed and I'm like, fuck me. Patabi's going on tour again. So I can't still go to Mysore. <laughs> right. And he's like, see, he did for six months, right? He would travel everywhere back yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. yeah at least so three. I, it was crazy. It was a long time. Mm -hmm. So, and I was impatient. I wanted to go because I know how I am with money. I'll spend this money. I got to go while I have right. this money. And so I got on the list, uh, you know, Ashtanga.com, Ashtanga where you used to order everything. Yeah. Betty, Betty Lai had all the lists and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, they listed which dates and where, and I thought, okay, I'm going to pick one. Mm -hmm. And I picked Maui. Why wouldn't you pick Maui? Why would you pick <laughs> yeah. some, you know, anywhere else? Yeah. So, <laughs> and what I did was decided, okay, I'm going to go, and I've heard of Nancy Gilgoff from David Swinson, and I had met, you know, because I had met him at one point, and... Um, I went through a phase where I called everybody on their website and just talked to them because I wanted to ask questions. <laughs> and I talked to a lot of people because back then they actually answered the phone, you know. Yeah. Um, and so when I, I, I emailed Nancy because she didn't answer the phone. So I emailed Nancy and she said, I'll be here. You know, you can come as long as you want. And here's who you can find some housing with. And do you remember Tom Sewell used to do yep. all the video yeah, and all the old stuff? Yeah. So he owns property in Maui and he had, uh, the property has like houses he rents out to the yoga students. And they had one that had a, the bedroom was in one building. The kitchen was in one building and the, the shower and toilet was in one building <laughs> and they were all screen opened air screen buildings. Wow. And they gave it to me for like 80 bucks a day. And if I paid it all up front, they wouldn't charge me tax and they would give me a 20% discount. So I wrote them Perfect. a check because you still had to write checks. So I wrote yep. them a check and mailed it to them. And I decided I got up when I arrived in Maui, I, got up in the morning and I thought I should walk up to the house. Cause Maui is like, when I got there, AG Edwards, um, one of the board of directors was Bob Avis. And so I got my Avis rental car and it, for like six weeks I was there and my rental car was like 279 bucks for the whole time. It was so wow. super <laughs> because of this, because of this discount. Yeah. So I thought, Oh wow, that's amazing. So I drove to the house and I parked and when I got out of the car, these two lovebirds, one flew on this and started pecking this earring and one flew on this shoulder and pecked this earring. And Actual I was like, what's happening? Birds. And there yeah. was, there were lovebirds and there was a double rainbow. And I thought, what happened to me? Did I like, uh, I, I've come into this land of Oz. You know, it's like I've, go, I've gone over the rainbow. It's full enlightenment. Man. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 So, 
Yeah, and it was fairly late, so I went to, and I was dead from the flight because back then you had a red eye flight from St. Louis all the way to Maui. It was like wow. it was straight flight. Yeah, and I so I went to sleep and I got up early in the morning and I saw a light up in the house and I thought maybe I should go introduce myself to Tom and him and his wife were up and he was cooking breakfast and he said, "Oh, hi," and we talked and he said, "Are you going to go practice?" And I said, "I don't know where Nancy is," so he gave me directions <laughs> to her little tomato yeah. farm place. And I drove up there and practiced that morning and I wow. think two weeks and then Patabi came for a week and then I had three more weeks with her after that. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I remember and, I, uh, I called Nancy once in Maui and uh, we had all, I was in uh, Salima's house and we had woken up and we were all like really, we're just kind of staring at each other across a cup of coffee. It's like, we can't do this. We can't practice right now. And, and then Salima just, called her out of the blue to tell her that we weren't coming and then i was like it was i was just looking at salima and then salima just like chickened out and threw the phone at me like you talk to her and so and then i'm talking <laughs> to nancy and it's like nancy um look at six o'clock i just wanted to tell you that we're not going to make it and she's like why did you call then? <laughs> I was like, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I get off I'm the like, phone, Nancy. and then I tell us, we have to go now. We, uh, this is horrible. This is so embarrassing. She probably wasn't up. Nancy is not an early morning. No. She did she not know. appreciate the phone call. <laughs> she was f- fucking furious. Is how she I like practice at four or five in the afternoon. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, yeah, she's not six, a morning person. Six was not her time. No. Yeah, yeah. That's that's always like given me some sort of like feeling like it's okay to practice at four in the afternoon. It's also okay to smoke dope all day, sweetie. I've been telling you that. You can smoke dope all day. <laughs> That's quite the introduction to Ashtanga. So then what happened? How did you get pulled into Kundalini like full on? I mean, well, it wasn't well, just like before, testing out a class. I, I want to know actually what, what ha- like you're, you're, you, you're there in Maui, you finish this excursion with Nancy. And then what is what happens over the next like what year is this? 2001? Uh, two. 2002. And then what does your life look like now? Like are you teaching yoga? You're retired You're from retired. Like the... are you going to India finally? Are you because you, you started doing Kundalini in 2008. Well, like, don't skip yeah. over these oh, years. Right. There's like a big period <laughs> of time there. So I Nancy <laughs> told me to go home and teach. And <laughs> that's, Nancy told me to go home and teach. And advice. I had already been teaching this little older lady that was had asked me to teach her. I didn't know about teaching. I didn't want to teach. But she was depressed. And we really had a connection. And she just died in 2019 when I was in Aww. Mysore. And we were close until then. Wow. But she'd practiced up until she died, too. She smoked three cigarettes a day, had a miniature bottle of wine, and <laughs> practiced every morning. And that was, she said, the glue held her old, crippled body together. And she was happy. Anyway, so <laughs> I was teaching her already. Three cigarettes a day. I go through three yeah. lighters a day. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I smoked two packs a day when I started. You know, I started wow, yoga. Wow, that's huge. I'm sorry. That's a Bill Hicks joke. Uh, rest in peace, Bill. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, so yeah, well, so you, you went home and, and just taught, I, you just went home and taught this I was old lady for the her. next five years. No, no, I was, I was already teaching her okay. before I went to Maui because she had asked me to teach and she found out I did yoga yeah. and I was like, I don't know. And once I found our connection, I decided to do it. So when I got home, 
um, I was kind of feeling lost. I was like, okay, now what do I do? I have no money left in the bank. I've spent 50 grand, you know, and this summer I went to Europe and partied and did everything. I did lots of things. Yeah. I went to New Orleans twice. And, you, you know, you did spend the money. You didn't go to India. You just spent, fucking spent I it. I spent because ev- he was traveling. I couldn't go. Anyway, I went home and she said, well, you know, she had a, what did she have? It was like dance supplies where she got point shoes and, you know, ballerina outfits. And she said, we, we can move the racks out of the way and you just teach here. So I did. And we started advertising it and I had about 10 people and I taught at night 6 PM when she closed her stop shop. And I taught her and another girl came and I started teaching her and I slowly taught a Mysore program without even really realizing because I was teaching each person individually as they came in. Right. And I had about 10 regulars for quite a few years. Um, Wow. And so you just went into teaching full time. Kind of. But I I did get a, I did that for a while and I got a little part time job at a, what it's now called Panera Bread. It used to, it's in St. Louis. It's called St. Louis Bread Company because it's from St. Louis. But okay. I got a little job there and at Famous Bar, which became Macy's. Um, <laughs> I did those two little jobs. And when I got fired from Macy's <laughs> because the, I told the... You're the bitterness in it still. I, no, I hated the <laughs> boss and she hated me. And I said, you're, I can't quit. I can't afford to quit. You're going to have to fucking fire me. And she did. And so I talked, I sat down and I... I don't pray. I'm not a prayer. I kind of just do the feelings and let, I figure if you're, if, if God's there, God knows what's going on. I don't have to sit and actually, I actually (laughs) sat down and was like, okay, whatever you want to be called. I had watched the secret also. And I was thinking of the law of attraction, God, the source, Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism. I want to do this. I studied Kabbalah for 15 years too and read Hebrew. Mm -hmm. So I I was, I uh, did all, I tried everything. And did you get circumcised? (laughs) I was circumcised at birth. Oh, good. Yeah, the, I, I, I strongly recommend that <laughs> to all of our listeners. <clears throat> okay. It's much better than, um, than later on in life, huh? Well, I, <laughs> people are very against it nowadays. Don't yeah, they are. It. You're it's just being, ridiculous. It's yeah, anti-Semitism. You're being about it. It's so anti-Semitism. Let, let that what go. That is. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost, I forgot where I was. You. Were oh, so yeah, you were teaching. teaching you were teaching Ashtanga yoga for about ten years. Fired from when did, but when did you start doing Ashtanga yoga? How long after you were teaching did you actually start practicing? Two thousand. So like no. five years after you started teaching, you started practicing. I practiced in two thousand. We said it backwards. I don't think so. You're all uh, from, no, two not years. Not from what I'm hearing. It sounds like he you're taught. making this very difficult. I to started. Edit. You don't edit any of this. So you got fired for doing Ashtanga yoga. That's No, no, I didn't get fired. Yeah. I got fired because she she didn't like what I did. I dressed mannequin and she didn't like it because I followed the modern stuff and she thought she should do the older stuff. I don't want to talk about her and make this. I, if she hears about this, and she will. You didn't want Because I still know people from back then. I do not want about her to know Macy's. I gave her any she airtime. She follows you still to yeah. this day. She's checking up on you. What is Sadinder doing? Yeah. Well, I wasn't Sadinder yet then. So, I, you know, no. she may not. She may have lost track once I changed my name. Um, yeah, thank goodness. That's one good thing name changes are good for. Yeah. <laughs> So you you left you left Macy's and you were saying some prayers to the oh, universe. Oh right, you were praying to the, to the universe. And I I said if, if all I need is my rent to be paid and to be able to eat, I don't care. And in a week and a half, I was making more t- too much that I couldn't even draw my unemployment anymore. Oh, so okay. I 
been teaching ever since then. Wow. The students just started to come. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I was like, I'm going to open up and you give me whatever I need and I'll do whatever you want me to do, whatever it takes, you know, kind of thing. And it, it worked. So I love it. Yeah. Everyone's like on their hands and, and knees right now, opening up to the source, praying. <laughs> you have to. I mean, this has been a rough year for yoga shots. Totally. Totally. Yoga teachers all around. I remember being told that when you were in Downward Dog, you were opening up your anus to Surya, the sun god. I remember that. Yeah, Who it's told the same. No, I've heard that. Yeah, that's why you get <laughs> on your hands and knees. This is a made up thing. Is you open up your anus to the sun, to the sun god, and you we let the light shine. Who you've opened out, up your anus to. You let the sun <laughs> shine out your back door someday. That's what you do. Richard Freeman used to talk about blossoming your your. Buttocks. Yes. Didn't he say your anus? Buttocks. Yeah, the, buttocks. the blossoming, blossoming of, of your buttocks. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah. I took that on full on. Yeah, we know. See, I do the opposite. I kind of suck it in. I do the I'm I'm suck in the like, light you of feel the very sun. vulnerable and down dogs. You're like, nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think he actually teaches it differently now. I've taken classes with him recently, and he's, he's started shuttling. I think he's, yeah, I think he's, he says things very differently yeah. than he used you to. You start he used shuttering to be much more. Yeah. 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 Shutter the back door. So <laughs> when did you get to Mysore then? Was that before 2008 or after? Or? No, no, it was 2014. So what? I took time. Yeah. We have to go back to the Kundalini. It sounds that way. Yeah. It's like, this is the Kundalini time. But 2008 is when the Kundalini started. But it sounds started. like you should have gone to India in 2000, 2002, like a long time ago. I should have, but I didn't because I, I could have. I wanted to go to the old, like the little dark dungeon, Shala. That's yeah. what I wanted that yeah. treatment. You know, I was looking for something because I, but I didn't get it. And that's the only regret I have in my life is that I let my partner talk me out of going. Right. Mm -hmm. And he says, I didn't really talk you out of going because we've recently reconnected and made peace with our past. And mm. I said, I know, I know it was my, I allowed you to. So it's me. I have yeah. to forgive, not you. And you were in but, Europe uh, partying it up. Yeah. Spending, spending the the cold hard cash, <laughs> living living life yeah. on the high uh, high yeah. line. <laughs> the high lines, yeah. Okay, the yeah. Living I was, oh. yeah. Oh. So India was not yeah. in the cards. I I wish no. Uh, I mean, I it all happened for a reason. Yeah. I got where I, I got there when I got there for whatever reason, you know. So you were teaching yoga and now how did you meet your teacher and dive like full on headfirst into kundalini yoga? I had been, you know, the video I bought some years earlier, I had been doing it on moon days periodically. Mm -hmm. And then when, during this period of time, when I was at Viranchasana A and I was at the breaking point and Nancy's yeah. told me to start doing primary one day and intermediate and third the next day. Cause, and that actually took the edge off for me. Sure. It, was, it felt better. It does. Yeah. I just got, I just finally a Kundalini teacher moved to St. Louis mm -hmm. and I started taking classes at night with her. And I started noticing that doing this little weird sitting, spinning, you know, all this stuff was, <laughs> I felt as amazing as I did doing the other stuff, but with less body pain. Right. So mm. I started exploring it. And then she, there was one night she did a mantra called the Rayman Shabbat that I can, it used to be on my Sikh kara that I wore when I became Sikh. It was car engraved in it um, by Sanatam Kar. That was just like heaven when I heard it. And mm. I went to her and I said, I don't know what this is but you have to tell me how to get this. And so she, I bought the CD of it and I played it every night when I was sleeping. Mm. And slowly 
I realized something's going on. So hmm. I applied for my spiritual name online and I started doing her class two or three times a week, still doing Ashtanga in the mornings. And I, were you, did you start dressing all, all in white? Not yet. Okay. Um, that was a hard one for me. Cause I'm not a white, <laughs> I was the black, I was the, where the black, kid, you know, wearing white was super yeah. hard for me. I was also Very born intent. a poor black child. <laughs> Okay, Steve Martin. <laughs> if anyone gets that yeah. reference. You have to be uh, a certain age to get that reference. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, that, I went to Winter Solstice, I think, finally in 2009, which they do in Florida. And that everyone calling me Satinder the whole time. And you're required to wear the white head covering and white. And I had never wrapped a turban. And someone taught me there. They had people teaching you how to do it. That was what cemented it for me. And I started, when I came home, I started using Satinder and I uh, went to a summer solstice. And that's when I took Amrit, they call it, where I, you actually get baptized and become a Sikh. Mm-hmm. And they kind of torture you for an hour and 3 a.m. Hmm. and question you and do all kinds of things to, it's a very strong initiation wow. process. Um, do they use like a, they use a pain box? Do what? <laughs> They use a pain box and like the gob, the gob jamar you know, from the Bene Gesserits. Do they do that? No, I wish they had because I I've read those books like so many times and I love them. Yeah. So that would have been phenomenal. I think that's really why I did all this shit because right? it reminded me of the sci-fi stuff. You yeah, know? yeah, for sure. You're the. Yeah. And, do you ever feel like you could see the place where the Bene Gesserits couldn't look, and you are the Quitsats <laughs> Hutterak? Did you feel that? coming of course yeah. i still feel it now yeah. i think i am the please that's of course <laughs> i can um, walk around the house i can tell there are places harmony won't look and i'm like no no you need to look at at these places <laughs> you do understand that you are a ridiculous human being you do know this <laughs> I, am. I know totally you totally understand completely self-aware um I'm good. so then did you just start teaching kundalini after you got baptized no i didn't no i was i was still teaching a little bit of the other stuff so i had taught this famous park class at this uh, on saturdays um at a farmer's market and that i couldn't really teach kundalini at i was teaching a vinyasa ashtanga class mm-hmm. kind of basically and it had a few hundred people coming wow so i didn't want to change that and screw that when i left there was 600 people coming. So wow. it got bigger because I got, I got a interview on TV. I got an interview in the paper wow. I had an article written about me. So then I got all, it got more and more people. It was too much. Um, Amazing. so I tried to, I had never taught Kundalini and I was scared, but I bought all these Kriya books and I started a in the park class of Kundalini yoga on Sundays. And I had 15 to 30 people come every week for mm-hmm. a couple of years doing that. But then teaching it gave me the taste. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to try and do this teacher training. And I had a bunch of my students um, donate to me to go to this teacher training in Kansas City, where I met Satinder Kar Khalsa, mm-hmm. who you have mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and her husband, Karchapur, <laughs> was, uh, they run the ashram that's still a 3HO ashram there. And they asked me to take it over at one point because oh, wow. I was like, the, they thought I was the future. Yeah, um, I could see it. I passed the top of my class. I was I was very impressive at it. And I they teach you how to hold your power when you walk in a place mm-hmm. and like own the space. The Kundalini kind of training does. Mm-hmm. So 
I'm good at that. I can walk in and command the room pretty easily. Mm -hmm. Um, But at a certain point, I think I was going to my second winter solstice and I was, I was drinking the Kool-Aid full on, you know, and they were talking to me about moving me to LA because they really wanted to get the West Hollywood crowd, which means the gays. Oh, yeah, yeah, that would be, (laughs) yeah. And into the fold, so you would be a, I would be good for that. You'd be a honey yeah. trap. I would, be, <laughs> I would be the liaison, you know, because yeah. you know I got this big impressive beard, and there is a certain faction of the the, the gay boys who like this stuff. So yeah. it's a it called a bear. Like, yeah, the bear community, like this, uh, like yeah. a spider to the fly. You know, yeah, come into my lair. <laughs> and I thought something clicked, and I thought, hmm, I don't feel. I feel like a little manipulation going on there. Mm. And I, I stepped back then. Yeah. Mm. I could see that. Um, yeah. Can I just, and then I started. Yeah. Can I ahead. just ask do you, if you knew, um, I asked Barry this too, but if you knew Matab and Guru Karam down in Austin, Texas, if you knew that. Yeah, couple... I met Matab in, in at the summer solstice event twice. He used to do a one, uh, workshop on, what's the instrument. He does a certain instrument. Oh, it wasn't, was it the gong? Yeah, maybe was it the gong or he did some workshop I took with him there. Massive. Um, I worked, I always worked at them so I could get it cheaper. So I never got to go to all the workshops I wanted okay. to. But He has a massive, like one of the largest comic book collections in Texas. <laughs> uh, um, I sold mine in 2008 partially to pay for my Kundalini. <laughs> <laughs> and they ended I up. Made, I, made, I made about 800 bucks up. Wow. My, my... You could have done a straight That's trade good. with Matab and moved to Austin. <laughs> At the time, I didn't know him yet, though. Mm. I was just contemplating all this stuff and just thought thought about it. So, I, yeah. uh, otherwise, I might have. So, my my teacher Sharon Moon and, and I we were we were teaching out of uh, Guru Kanar Matab's Yogi Yoga space in Austin. That's where we were. Okay. okay. We were doing the Ashtanga on the big white bearskin rugs and everything, and, and <laughs> the whole thing. Not bearskin, sheepskin. It's sheepskin. It? it just yeah. looked like a big white yeah. fucking polar bear. I didn't know what and it was. And they supposedly, supposedly, and they put it in parentheses, died of natural causes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Those poor sheep. Wow. Okay. Um, that's that's fantastic. And so then, did you you step back from Kundalini, and then you th- you thought about going to India? Is that right? No, I. St- no, I stepped back from, not from Kudalini, but from the organization because mm-hmm. I didn't like the, the manipulative aspect wasn't the yoga to me. It was the organization right. yeah. and I didn't, you know, they, they were just doing what they thought was best. I really see it differently now, but I didn't, at the time I was feeling a little bit pulled in a direction. Mm-hmm. So I had a kid who was coming to my Sunday morning uh, Kundalini class in the park. And he said, you know, I keep reading about this yoga that's called Ashtanga. And the only name that comes up when you Google it in in St. Louis or whatever, we didn't, I think there still wasn't Google then, but it was something. He said, your name keeps coming up as teaching Ashtanga yoga. And I said, yes, I used to teach it here in the area. And no, I'm not teaching it to you. And he's like, well, I really want to learn it. And there's no one else here. Well, I don't know what to do. And I, I, and I said, well, I'm not, so he kept bugging me for, hmm two, three, four months. Mm-hmm. And finally I, I was doing it like once a week at home. Yeah. A couple times a week sometimes. And cause I, you gotta do, you can't just sit on your butt and spin like the Kundalunis do. I call them Kundalunis usually. And I hope I don't offend <laughs> anybody. Still have a lot of no, the Kundalunis. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. 
That's the not title of this and, episode, um, the Kundalunis. <laughs> but that's, you know, that came from that movie Enlighten Up because he called them Kundalunis. Did you see Enlighten Up? Yeah. With the guy. Yes. That they, yeah. That and Norman Allen was he in He called them Kundalunis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he said, well, I'm going to come over and practice with you. And I said, okay, you can do that. Mm -hmm. So once a week he started doing it and then he's like, but I really want to do it again tomorrow. And I'm like, no, I can't fuck. I can't do this shit all the fucking time. You, you know, I did it. I did. I did it. And so finally I gave in and we did it twice a week and it happened like this for some months. And for finally I was back up to five times a week yeah. and I was like, wow, I feel, I feel amazing. Why, what's, why did I quit this stuff? What's wrong with me? Right. Whoa. And, I think the Kundalini Yoga really gave me an insight into energy, though yeah. the energy of it, mm -hmm. not just the physicality, the musculature, but yeah, I was I was using energy in a different way mm -hmm. than I was pushing through it muscularly before, wow. and that shifted me when I did it. Yeah, and then that was 2011 to 12 when that little bit happened. Mm -hmm. Wow, and then um, in 12 is when I decided to go to India. And I couldn't get a visa. Oh, I had to drive to Chicago to the Travisa service. Yep, I remember Travisa. And the lady didn't. I had screwed up something on my application, and you know that doesn't mm -hmm. just go over well. Yeah. They don't like you. And the lady, when I called, said, "Oh, you can just mark it out and then put on the other this other word." And I so I did that. <laughs> and I get up there, and the lady said, "No, no, sir, this is not good. You do not. This is you have marked out." And her boss came. She so her boss came out because we were there for like an hour. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, what's going on here? And she said, look, look, it's improper. And I said, I, 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 I throw my hands up. I just, uh, I don't know what to do anymore. And he said, just give it to him, mark it. And said, I said, it's okay. And she still didn't, she still wouldn't do it. And I said, I don't want to go to your fucking country. I don't want to go. Give me my goddamn passport. I'm going home. I don't care. And I, she wouldn't give me my passport because by rights, she was supposed to ship it back to me. Right. So I still didn't get oh it. So she God. shipped it back to me. Oh my gosh. So I said, fuck it. I'm not going to India. I'm not supposed to go to India. Right. Yeah. Then, then, then I was the 13, that was like in November of 2012. Yeah. 2013, I went to the confluence because Nancy was going to be oh, there. Yeah. Oh, uh, in San Diego in February. I was there, I, I think, that, that year. Mm, it was, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And Dina was there and I, yeah, I fell Dina in love with Dina. And Jack. Yeah, I was there that year. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Mm -hmm. Um, I would have seen you because, you know, I saw you in that video that British guy did for Patabi's 90s birthday. <laughs> yeah. And I remembered your face. Yeah. That's where I first yeah. saw you. Spectacular Yeah, face. I was there. My parents came to watch Jediah because he was just two years old then he had just turned two okay i was so That's close I, to I know i was full, there full gay until i met harmony and i was like no <laughs> it's not fair i think the gays won't have you you can't get in our club there are it's been many too long. many gays you can't ride the fence for this there many decades many, many <laughs> gays won't you won't have me. i'll let you know that i'm you. quite sure there are <laughs> there's no accountant for chase <laughs> <clears throat> yeah that's cool that's neat I still, but I decided, and then I saw Kino in Chicago, and then I went to see Mark Roberts in Chicago, and then I saw Kino again in Chicago, and then in Indianapolis, and I thought, okay, I've got to fucking go to India. I got, and I bought the Mysore Magic movie, right. and I was like, all of this. I friended everyone in the movie on Facebook and got <laughs> got ideas from everyone how to do it. PJ Heffernan gave me the best uh, uh, best advice what did on he how say? to get there. And, <laughs> He said, if you want to go to India, India will bring you there. You just have to have all this faith and don't worry about it. All the shit will take care of itself. And wow. you know what? It did. It really. So I said, okay, 
I'm going to go and fill out the application for my visa. Yeah. And it's going to work this time. Yeah. And I went and sat, put it down, mailed the shit off. Nine days later, the visa was in my passport on my front porch. Amazing. It was like magic. Such and I said, okay, I'm going to apply. And I applied and I got in for March. And one of my students, I was starting to teach Ashtanga a little bit again. Yeah. One of my students got in for February. So I went halfway through February to kind of hang out because, yeah. you know, on our 10 year visas, we could stay as That's long as right. we wanted. Yeah. It was amazing. I, was I missed jealous that. of the Americans one, with their 10 year visas. One time I was in India and I had, I had decided every year I like to kind of do something fun with my hair and I shaved my head and left a beard and I did it like a week after I got there and my landlord um, uh, reported me as Mujahideen <laughs> and uh, the police came and they came to the house where I was and I was in um, Olaf's old neighborhood oh, yeah. across the way. Anyway. And um, Saras not Saraswati Puran? No, it's no. not Saraswati Puran. Yeah. And uh, so I'm there and the police are there and they're going through my passport and uh, they're saying, yeah, he is clearly uh, uh, Islamic terrorist. And I was like, no, no, I'm just, I just shaved my head. That's all that <laughs> happened here. And, uh, and the police are going through my password. It's like, he has 10 year visa. He can be here. There's nothing, <laughs> nothing, American. We, there's nothing I, we can do. I even, I argued with the guy at the airport. He's like, no, no, you've coming too much, going too much. Cause they saw all the stamps. And I said, my visa says I can, you can't keep me out of this country. I'm coming and you get, you get out. And he, he said, okay, he get, I was right. making a ruckus and he stamped it and let me go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, you aren't keeping me out. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then I, I went to Sharat's class in the in the morning and he looked at me. He's like, you have to shave your beard. You look like Mujahideen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. It was. He did. He told me to shave, so I shaved it. <clears throat> I'm a very obedient student. So then you finally got to Mysore. And how was that? What was that like for you? What was your first impressions? Well, I was... From doing Kundalini for so long, I was quite heavy. And so when I, I went, I got there two weeks early, but it took me 52 hours to get there because I, in DC, my, my connecting flight in DC to Frankfurt, the plane had something break. Mm. So I missed my connecting flight in Frankfurt and I had to be put up in a hotel in Frankfurt for like 18 hours. Mm -hmm. And then they flew me to Heathrow backwards and then back. Oh, oh my gosh. And so I, I was, I was I, in a fog and I get there and my friend was there already. And she's like, come on, we're going to go to the Shrat's office. He's, he's there at three. And I'm like, I, I don't even start for two weeks. I don't, I'm not rushing around. No, no. So she rushed me around <laughs> to change money, did all this stuff, took me in the office and, um, Brilliant. He's sitting there looking at my, he didn't even look in my eyes. He was looking at my gut. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, you, he said, you practice and looking at my belly. I said, yes, I practice. Yeah. You, <laughs> you know, and he's like, he's, I said, well, or he said, um, how long? And I told him, I said, yes. And I met you and your grandfather and I have pictures. He said, show me. So I showed him the pictures and he said, Oh, I remember, I remember this guy. You look very different. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was oh very intense. It was, As he... I was heavy. So, and it was hot 
It was yeah. so hot, you know. Yeah. I was sweating just walking around, and my start time was like at nine thirty in the morning. Yeah. And, you know, as it, as it he said, ridiculous. Uh, anyone can look at my sister and tell she she does not do a shnuggy yoga. <laughs> well, Man, I can't talk got... about her. I have a I have a cease and desist order with Shammy, so. Oh, amazing. Oh, wow. You got that legally in India? Not, not really. No, 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 no. Not really, but um, I blocked her on a few social media cons- conduits because of we've had some words. Wow. Well, that's what you get for um, speaking on social media conduits. That's your first mistake is you don't interact with hey, people I can on social do, media. I can do what I... No, I mean, I've had it with her in person in, in her little office across the street. Um. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was there and heavy and couldn't do soup to Kamasna. And so he helped me every day and he said, I want you to get this. And I had a meeting with him at the end. And he said, when you go home, you come back and you can stand up and drop back by yourself. And I said, um, are you sure? He said, yes, that's your homework. I said, okay. So I went home and kicked my ass until I could stand up and drop back. <laughs> then I came and my back went out. He was going to, he was getting ready oh, to start no. me on Pashasana and my back went out. Mm-hmm. So I had a month and a half on my second trip of my back killing me. Oh, and yeah. then that's the worst. I had a meeting familiar. with him at the end of my second trip. And he said he was going to authorize me my second trip because there's no one in the area. And he wants someone in that area because mm-hmm. there's a guy in Chicago. There's people in like, I think Louise Ellis was still in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas then. But there was this big empty gap Fayetteville. in the middle of St. Louis. So. Yeah. Uh, Fayetteville's still not in this. There's there's a big empty space, is what he showed me on a map. He was like, he wow. said, but we'll wait till next time. <laughs> wow. And I was like, okay, that's fine. That's, I, and I was I was on cloud nine, you know. That's a very interesting thinking. Wow, I was gonna get authorized. Huh. He and I have always that's had stuff tactical. like this because I always lived. Huh. I lived right up the street from him, mm-hmm. and we talked walking up the street quite a few times and he we would complain about the dogs barking at night and keeping us awake and i've always had a kind of <laughs> yeah but i'm kind of a big dramatic person and so he always gives me a lot of attention i people always have yeah. gotten angry at me too because i got a lot of attention from him for for someone who's so orthodox he really does prefer the gaze i think <laughs> Oh no, come on. You and Todd are his favorites. Are you kidding? Like he adores you guys. And Susan Hounsel, you know. <laughs> the three gay. those are the three gay people, three gay men I can think of. Um No, the the two Spanish guys, he likes them a lot too. Oh yeah, Jose, Jose and yeah, Rafa. And my Jose, uh, and, yeah, my yeah. veterinarian student. Jose and Rafa and the other Jose. Yeah, the Jose Peña. The, and the Jose two Cab- the two Cabana? gay Jose's. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, interesting. He likes that big energy. <laughs> yeah, we're very dramatic. We, we we demand a lot of attention, you know, so he gives it to us. It's also a lot easier to keep um, going back to Mysore when you don't have children. <laughs> there's no reason why Satinder can't have children. <clears throat> he can, but I'm there's just saying lots most of, of the... <laughs> <laughs> and they were all choices I made. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I want to kind of go in a different direction, if you don't mind. Um, this, I, I okay. really adore your storytelling, and it's been it's been fascinating. But I was also I was on your um, on your blog on medium.com and there were some some deep thoughts there by like Jack Handy's deep thoughts, and I wanted to 
kind of explore those. And you had one on faith that I thought was very interesting. Uh, you mentioned something about people needing everything to be a certain way for happiness, but you said you should find faith first before you start looking for everything to be a certain way. And I, I wonder if you could if you could talk more about those feelings. Um, that comes from, well, you know, Sharat has talked about having devotion and faith in the practice and that changes things too. But I didn't really, that didn't really click as much for me because uh, I needed somehow to connect all this physicality we're doing with this energetic idea of faith and devotion. So it kind of really goes to my studies with Abraham Hicks, uh, you know, that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you, you know, the law of attraction stuff, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I started reading them in 2006, but I didn't really get it till I went to India and I saw Indians and kind of how they live their life with faith. And mm -hmm. I had read this book just before I went to Mysore my first time. And this lady was writing, um, it wasn't, a what's the right word? Um, she was writing fiction about her nonfiction exper experience and changing names to make it seem better. Mm -hmm. But she told a story about this lady oh. walking down the road, and it's a while Roman she was a trying clef. to, what? a Roman no. a clef is when you write is. fiction about your nonfiction experiences. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but she talked. She was trying to learn a scooter, and she was scared to death because you know driving in India can mm -hmm. scare you to death. And I've had a wreck there, so now I understand that. But. Mm. Um, this lady every day was walking so close to the road and the cars would come within an inch of her and she never saw this lady falter. And it really was impressive to her. So one day she finally stopped in front of the lady and asked her if she spoke English and she did. So she said, can I ask you, um, why you, you do, you're not so scared. Like you can see all the Western people dying when they're that close to the road or driving and you're just walking by the road with this big bucket of water on your head and you're fine. And she said, oh, I have no control when it's my time. I just have faith. I'll be fine when I get home, you know, or if I don't go home, it's my time. And the Lord, you know, God takes me uh, whenever they mm -hmm. take me. And that just and then you see that in the people. They do live with so much devotion. You know, mm -hmm. if you see the people even by the Ganesh temple across the street, they take off their shoes and bow down in front of the door mm -hmm. for the Ganesh temple, mm -hmm. you know, there in Gokul. Mm -hmm. And I just was, that's when I got the Abraham stuff. Abraham always teaches, you can draw whatever you want to yourself, but you kind of have to have the feeling, the energetic feeling of it in yourself mm -hmm. first, because most of the time when we're asking for something, we're asking the universe for something, we're actually disconnected from it. We're living in the lack of it mm -hmm. and not living in the actual abundance that it could possibly come. So if you can find the feeling of what it feels like to have, say this thing, if it's a bundle of money or whatever, if you can ha feel that, find that feeling place inside yourself, you actually open yourself up energetically to receive it. But if you are saying, to yourself, oh, I need $10,000. Oh, but I don't have it. Oh, but I don't have it. You're living in the idea that it can't come to you and then it can't come to you. And so mm -hmm. my idea and that when I wrote that was after I was with you guys in Goa mm -hmm. and I was so sick 
Right. Remember how sick yeah. I was? I had yeah. boils in my mouth and everything. And you I were, had had that. I had gotten we stung by working, jellyfish. We were all working together at Purple mm-hmm. Valley in 2016. Yeah. Right. Uh, 18. 18. Yeah. Was it 18? Yeah. Okay. Forgive me. 18. And then in 19, I was in India the rest of the time. And I had my fr- a good friend that lives in Mysore of mine is also an astrologer who gives me lots of advice on stuff. And he said, I think you need to go to a Shakti Peet. Um, and, you know, do, do I need to tell that story? That's a whole other story. A, a Shakti Peet <laughs> yeah. is an energy center centered around the feminine goddess. You know, mm-hmm. there's a long story with it that I could do, but we don't need to go that far, I think. Anyway, mm-hmm. so he said, if you go to this Kamakya temple in Assam, that's the most powerful one. It's the strongest, oldest one. Wow. Um, and I, so I did, I went, one of my friends was leaving my store and had some extra or leaving Shrat's classes. Cause she was, she had four days after her last class before her flight went out. And she said, can we go visit some goddess temple somewhere? And I said, yes, I was just told to go to Kamakya. We're going to go. So we went mm. and it's where the Yoni of Sati is in the ground. And there's actually the 10 goddess uh, Mahavidyas, the, all the fierce versions of the goddess that are have yonis in their temples also. And you touch it, and the priest talked to us and told us we take the water and put it on our tongue and put it on our head and do all this stuff. And I did all of it. And I said, I'm going to do everything. Mm-hmm. And we were there four days. Thursday, Friday. Yeah, four days. And uh, Sunday, we flew back to Bangalore. And she was going on her flight directly from there. And I was taking this fly bus back to Mysore. And I got back to Mysore and I went to Depth and Green and had a pizza. And <laughs> I went home and went to bed. <laughs> Depth and Green, he had that, he had really good pizza for a while and it burned down. So I'm about to go back. Oh. Um, yeah, it burned down last summer. Um, oh, Jesus. Dear. That's unfortunate. So I went home and went to, took a shower and went to bed. And I woke up the next morning and everything was gone. Like the boils in my mouth, the the blotches on my skin. And that made me kind of have a bigger idea of faith. Did you, did you have a sort of feeling that the boils in your mouth were, were connected to the the way in which you, you spoke to people? (laughs) Was there that sort of of relationship? Yes. (laughs) But I mean, you know, this jellyfish stung me and these weird things happened, but it hit me in a way that it may not hit somebody else. And of course it went in my Mm. mouth. Because I was, I was a very unbuffered, you know, <laughs> and I thought this is of... what I get. And I couldn't eat, I, I couldn't eat all that great food at wow. Purple Valley. I could eat like tiny little bits because it hurts so much. I had them yeah. in my nose. I had them in my ears. I had them all over. It was terrible. Oh it's like God. the universe I had them in my crying taint. out everywhere. The, oh, the taint. The universe was sort of crying out for you to be <laughs> brahmacharya. That's what it sounds like. Oh, I know, but I'm not. I'm not ready for that yet. Sorry. No. <laughs> I know I look like it. I know I look the part, but I'm not. <laughs> the well, part of the sadhu. But that's Which... that's when I wrote that article, and I wrote all those things on Medium during that time when I was there because I just had all these deep experiences, and I was kind of ready. I was mm. also getting my practice back after I healed. I was doing yeah. intermediate again for the first time in years, and mm-hmm. it's crazy. Nice, amazing. That's that's an incredible so that, experience. All that stuff, all that stuff came out of that time of me kind of integrating what happened to me, you know? So I wrote a lot on medium because my friend had introduced me to it and I thought I'm going to write on here. So mm-hmm. I did nothing came you up, but a... I was hoping to get a book deal or something. 
we, we yeah, all, sometimes it we happens. All did. Yeah, that's why I had a blog. I know. Um, you, you have a, another post here about death that I thought was quite beautiful, and you kind of you kind of referenced it slightly when thinking about you know walking down the road and not being concerned about death, just being concerned about your time, right? Or just you know being aware that your time will come. I I wonder if you could tell us a bit more about what you were thinking about with that post. Is it? Perhaps it's along the same lines. Uh, I wrote that a long time ago. So why don't you give me some context first? Like, tell me a little bit about it. I forgot. Well, you, I think about you death all the time. So, yeah, you mentioned that in the post that you think about it all the time, and that in a Western context it might be considered morbid. But being aware and thinking about death and mortality is a kind of is a way of a, of escaping it, of escaping the prison of fear. And I was thinking about that with, with, with Harmony and I, you know, we'll be watching TV and we'll be watching like a show like Hana or the Americans and someone will be being tortured. <laughs> and we always like start rolling our eyes like, give it up already. Like just <laughs> why go through all why this? go through all that? Tell them like, look, <laughs> let's get the execution ready. I'll tell you whatever you want and then you can fucking kill me and it's no problem. It's like. <laughs> But we want to know where your kids are. It's like, my kids should understand how I feel about this. I'm going to let you know where they are. They're under the floorboards. Let's get the executions going and like jump in already. Like be fucking enthusiastic about it. Like why get your fucking toenails ripped off for no reason? You know, it just seems stupid. Well, that's just for the drama of TV. Come on. You know what that's for. It's like... But in that situation, because the torture is the part we all don't want, you know. Right, we don't want that. Nobody wants that. But but people are more afraid of getting shot out in the in the backyard. Like, no, fucking shoot me out in the backyard. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Ask me the questions you want, and then let's get this over with. I think I really um, in 2017. I was my first time in Germany teaching in Cologne for mm-hmm. quite a few months, mm-hmm. and I went straight from there to Varanasi. Oh, wow. It was like I went from one extreme to the other. And in Varanasi, I sat at the Mani Karnaka Ghat for a few days and meditated. And I met a couple, some Agoris and talked to Agoris. And it really never clicked with me that the way they meditate on a dead body or about death or is really about impermanence. So yeah. it helps it helps sever your connection to your attachment to the idea of we we none of us get out alive these bodies <laughs> even in the bible when you read about people who live 900 or whatever years they still Methuselah. fucking died yeah. we're all yeah. this <laughs> is gonna die it's gonna die yeah. and if you can get in touch with something more like the spirit that lives and inhabits and fills up this body that's when you're going to live more fully mm-hmm. and that was really in my mind a lot from that time on and it's still something i think about um what it did was I was with a friend from Tamil Nadu and, he, you know, a lot of Indians are scared to go around the ghats because they believe the spirit can like, well, right. can do things to you and haunt you or inhabit you, you I, or attach itself yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. I'll follow you around and then you have to deal with it in your life once you get right. home and stuff. And he said, you're just fearless. You don't care. And I'm like, well, I'm, I mean, what I'm scared of everything all the time, but if I... <laughs> let that stop me from doing something what the hell am i going to do in my life sit in fucking st louis for the rest of my life no st louis i'm going to be scared cool and town. still go <laughs> i i like st louis i'm not i'm not talking bad about it but i mean i wanted 
to go other places. I wanted yeah. more. Mm. So I, I was like, you have the fear and you can sit there and let the fear trap you or you can look the fear and say, okay, fuck you. I'm going to go do this thing anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do mm-hmm. usually. Yeah. So I, he wouldn't go to the gut with me. I went to the gut, you know. Mm-hmm. I had all kinds of things happen in Varanasi. It was a crazy, crazy, intense experience. I got, I got an argument to go in the Kashi Vishwanath temple and threw a threw something threw my flowers at the security guard's head and told him to fuck <laughs> off. And I, you know, <laughs> I was like, oh. I went, I went to. Um, we we found one temple that we really loved, and it was uh, it was under the tradition of um, Shankaracharya, mm-hmm. and my, the guy who ran the temple was Tamil. So my friend really liked going there because he could talk to him, and we got some flowers. And it was 117 Fahrenheit in Varanasi in June that month. It was just <laughs> oh ridiculous. Oh my gosh, yeah. So we decided, we're walking back, and I said, I can't put these flowers in the room. They're just going to die. So let's go offer them to the Ganga and, you know. Mm-hmm. And in the on the Ghats, have you been, have you either both been to Varanasi? I've been to Varanasi, yeah. Okay, well, you know, there's little pipes and dark streaks of stuff coming out the pipes. Yes. You know, it's shit and piss. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. I was looking at these kids. Plant- I was so miserable because it was so hot and Varanasi was attacking me uh, in every direction. Yeah. So I was looking at these kids playing in the water and they were so full of joy. And I said to my friend, I said, if I could, I wished I could just pull some of that joy from them and find out how to feel that way because I would be so much happier right now. I'm so miserable. And so I was watching them and I stepped on one of those dark streaks and it was gooey and sly. So I slid and bounced all the way down. And I, in my, in my mind, I was like, oh my God, no, I'm going in the fucking Ganga and I'm going to die of a bacterial infection. I'm, and the kids yeah. stopped me from going in the Ganga. They stopped me. They, they were like, oh, our, uh, oh, we, we saved you. And I said, thank you so much. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have a heart attack. You know, my, I was about yeah. to explode. And they were like, oh, let's help our friend. So they all decided to splash the ganga on me to get the shit off of my leg. <laughs> and I thought, I'm either going to explode or I'm going to have to embrace this. And I just laughed. I just felt, and after that, I had an amazing time. I had a really great time. I couldn't let go of this idea of things. And just, I really, I really got a disconnection for the idea of, mm. of dying after that. I was, I didn't, it was like, no, I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do whatever I do. And if I die, well, fuck it. I did something interesting while I was doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Impermanence is such a fascinating, um, I guess, concept, <laughs> theme, uh, reality to like really dive into. It was, you know, I was in this Vipassana retreat back at the beginning of December and and it was like one afternoon I was just like walking you know as you do for exercise you just walk around and I was walking around and I just felt um you know and obviously like death is something that I often think about too and the impermanence of body and how we're so attached to our bodies and we all think we're not attached Mm -hmm. to our bodies but like you know gain 30 pounds you'll find out how fucking attached you are to your body quite you know, right? I did. <laughs> yeah. All right? three of us did. So yeah. it's like, you know, and then you lose 30 pounds and like see how attached you are to your body, right? Like we're so attached to 
to our corporal form and and I was like going so deep into this idea of impermanence and this reality of impermanence and and then I was like feeling like the impermanence not just of myself and my own form but like Jediah and his form and like just feeling like his death and his impermanence and and it's it's intense yeah. it's intense when you really start going into yeah. it and feeling like everyone you know is going to die and everything you know is going to die and, and the people you love are going to die even and- bob saget <laughs> Even Bob oh, fucking terrible. But and and I look at my grandma. I can't talk about Bob Saget. <laughs> no, it's too soon. I'm sorry. Yeah. My grandma no. was like 93 coming up. And you know, besides her offspring and her grandchildren and you know, pretty much anyone she's ever known. Benny Goodman died. Is gone. Oh, it's too soon. Betty White. Betty, well, that was more recent. <laughs> Betty White's the biggest, the biggest, that one ripped my heart. That yeah. was a hard one for me. Yeah. She was fucking but she, but ancient. But she, she lived a good life. She's 99, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. A couple she knew weeks she, from 100. She an amazing life. But it's, it is, it's, it's intense. And I think it's, it's one thing to kind of like understand like, oh yeah, I'm going to die and death is coming. But like when you really like go into that in a feeling space and like experientially like, are with it it's it's really intense well i mean there's a gory meditations where they you you die you feel yourself die and decompose and rot and you think about Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. the actual like worm food that your this the flesh becomes and it's not meant to make you grossed out it's meant to make you appreciate Mm-hmm. what we've got going on and really live it to the fullest. You know, mm-hmm. I've read the Agora book by Robert Sabota yeah. 30,000 times, you know, Beautiful. and I, after meeting some Agoris, I really was like very intrigued by that. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. really face the thing you're afraid right, of the most right. and, and think on it, absorb it, meditate on it and conquer fear. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like you're embracing it almost, almost if you can be like, okay, I'm going to die. So let's give death a hug, you know, and say, <laughs> let's walk down the street arm in arm together and not worry about it. Cause worrying <laughs> about it, where's that going to get you? Yeah. yeah. It's interesting though. Like this, even this idea of attachment to the body, cause it's one thing that I, I kind of like see the paradox of the Ashtanga system so deeply ingrained in that you're so fucking attached to your practice and your body and how your body feels and looks and performs every single day right and and yet the practice is supposed to be teaching us to be unattached to our body and we're supposed to be learning these deep lessons about how we're not our bodies and and that is right. possible too. That is a possible outcome of doing the practice to not be attached to your body, to not be, you know, so fixed in your idea of what you can and can't do. Right. But then it's like it, right. it often morphs into a greater attachment to the yeah. body. And that now we're attached yeah. to being able to do these things and we're attached to being able to feel a certain way and perform a certain way and do all these things. And then, I mean, eventually that all starts to fall away too. (laughs) Maybe. I mean, maybe it does. Yeah. Well, it has for me, for sure. And it's just interesting like this. It's such a paradox that's really embedded in the practice itself. Like, 
at what point do you do you let go and how much do you let go and can you let go without letting go of everything altogether? I mean, but you hear everything about people who don't, they give up the physical part of their practice or at least most of it at certain points. And you just never know when that's going to occur for you, you know? Mm. Um, and I have a friend who's in Mysore right now practicing with Sharat and she's learning third series and she's 65 years old, you know, she's, yeah. She was a bodybuilder in her earlier years, and she really loves the physicality of the practice. And I say, great for you. I'm happy. You know, I would love to still be, able, I would love to still be interested enough to do <laughs> that stuff anymore. Yeah, that's key, isn't it? Um, yeah, I. That's when I was assisting Shrat in 2018. He said we had several meetings, and I asked him questions every day. I had the best time assisting him because I didn't. I was like, if he's sitting there, I'm going to go over and sit and ask him stuff. So I did. Mm -hmm. And he, in a private meeting, he said, I really want you doing your old practice again. Cause he knew what I had used to do intermediate and half of about half a third. And cause then I can mm -hmm. teach you more and you can learn more. And I said, I just don't know if I care anymore. You know, I don't have the gumption <laughs> it takes to do that shit anymore. Right. Right. I'm happy doing what I can do. And now I can do less than I could do then because of, living in the desert did some weird shit to my body so i'm just happy to move what did he say to them um he said oh i know i'm mm -hmm. getting and he grabbed his belly and he said i'm getting a little you know i'm getting heavier too and older and we don't <laughs> care so much and i'm like yeah because he's he's dropped a lot of his practice off too i think you know i don't think he's striving to do fifth and sixth course, series anymore yeah. not even fourth possibly so not whatsoever it's like you you mm -hmm. have to I think uh, a friend of mine years ago, I studied on Yasara for a while when I was doing the Kundalini stuff full time. And a friend of mine had done, mm -hmm. he was a, just starting doing Anyasara and but had studied really with Shiva Ray a lot. Mm -hmm. And he went on a retreat with Shiva Ray where they did nothing but basic things like Trikonasana, not even twisted Trikonasana. Uh, simplest standing postures and seated postures but she took hours not hours of each posture but really having them get in depth with how they felt in the simple things rather than trying to do more and more advanced mm. stuff and how that can shift your consciousness and so once he and i talked about that i really when i started losing postures when i was living in arizona i i i remembered that and i started tapping into that and thinking but what I can do, can I appreciate and be present and enjoy what I can do still, you know, and not worry about what I can't mm -hmm. do. It's always more like looking forward to like, oh, my God, can I get this posture? I, I did that. And I think Dina calls it collecting asanas. She, I'm done collecting asanas, you know. Brilliant. I'm not not I'm interested in mm -hmm. maybe getting older and still trying to do intermediate sometimes, you know, and doing stuff. I, I did it this weekend twice, but. It, it doesn't look like what it used to look like. It looks like a very <laughs> different creature. And it's like, but I feel amazing when I'm done. And I did yeah. half of it, you know? And then I did some other postures near the end that mm -hmm. I liked that I didn't want to do the ones in between, you know? And I felt great. Yeah. Um, but it was it was about, can I be... It's It goes with the same theme, the impermanence and stuff. It's like, I've lost this. And do I want to like go to all this trouble to try and get it back? Or do I just want to find this fullness in what I can do? 
and be present with that and find the energy in that mm-hmm. and be uh, fully embody myself as I am rather than striving to be something else. I don't know. It's been interesting. Mm-hmm. It's been an interesting journey. It's like uh, Richard Freeman, if you take his beginner classes, and he says, I like to teach the most advanced yoga at the beginning. Yeah. And you, you know, it's like a two hour class and you do maybe five postures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so intense it's and so full and so deep. And downward dog. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. triangle, mm-hmm. maybe like it's, forward but it's, fold. But it's extremely <laughs> advanced what you're learning. It's incredible. Well, it's, yeah. it like blows your mind, but you have to have like, the focus and the capacity to kind of be still right. and absorb what's actually happening I mean, in your body. Think about what we do in the Ashtanga sequence. The first thing we do is bend our body completely in half. For some people, that is like the hardest <laughs> thing on the planet, you know, and that's yeah. the first thing we do. Inhale up, exhale, you know, crunch ourselves down. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, we do the heart. I, I used to, hate doing Surya Namaskara. I couldn't wait to get to the floor because I was so lazy sitting down. I was so excited. Right. Standing postures used to make <laughs> me feel like I was going to slaughter myself because I'm like, I can't do these. Now I love especially, them. Especially in a lead class. Oh, I don't. I never especially did a lead class. The standing postures. I have crazy. never liked lead classes. <laughs> I don't. I skip them in my source. I, I, I don't like lead classes. So... <laughs> I had gotten, yeah. tried, people tried to get me in trouble with Shrat many times. I was going to interject something about um, the practice before. Um, just that one of the very first things that I read about yoga was from Swami Vivekananda's Raja Yoga, which is um, his treatise on the, the Yoga Sutras. And one of the first things that he says in the first two pages is that the seduction of Hatha Yoga is your is the the ego that comes with it and that the the hot the hatha yogi will live 200 years easy and his hair will be black <laughs> but his ego will be enormous and here with the yoga sutras we're looking to do something very different you know we're looking to destroy that that ego interesting and i think aging does that, read that just again. fine i read it years ago but i don't remember that but i uh I also don't like Swami Vivekananda very much because I like Paramahansa. Ooh. I like I like Ramakrishna, and Ramakrishna was a true Shakta. Yeah, Ramakrishna. He was a true Shakta. He worshipped. Yeah. And Vivekananda he was a, a Vaishnavite sure. and very watered down that deeper Shakta vibe that Ramakrishna put out there. I believe so. I like him, and I liked what he had well, to say. You got to sell that to Californians, man. You have to sell it to Californians, and you can't no, just I like don't. you got to just have to you go some where way, elsewhere where they want to learn it. Filter it. It's <laughs> it's nineteen forty, nineteen forty, man. You got to filter that stuff. No, I, I'll go to um, India and do it there. I, I think I'm working on that. Yeah, I want to ask you about India, but I had another one one last question first before we we dig into to hearing about your your new journey um if you if you and let me know if you don't want to talk about this but recently you you texted harmony uh about our podcast with guy donahue and harmony said it was your it was really interesting and thought that maybe we should talk about it um we've had a lot of feedback 
uh, from an unusual sector of our audience, people that we don't normally hear from, a, a really big response to the podcast. With, with guys specifically. Um, which is with guys specifically, guys very specifically. unusual responses. And it seems, and that seems super good. We've been able to have a lot of very diverse opinions on the show, but still keep it collegial. Um, but you texted Harmony to say that at times it was very unsettling, that you were upset, um, you had to stop it at times, but that you came back around to a kind of, I think, similar realization. I wonder if you could you could explain more about um, your thinking listening to, to that podcast. I I have always been, I call Patabi Guruji. I have always been a Pataviophile and I had a hard time with all this mm. stuff that I don't really need to get into because it's been talked to death about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the, the book really was not necessarily just the stories the people told. It, like, it's, like Rolf's fucking interview blows me away with devotion every time I read it. I love mm-hmm. yeah. Nick Nick uh, Nick Evans' interview is really long, but it's really great. Everyone's one. interview is so great in there. Mm-hmm. And I was just, as soon as he started kind of being negative and talking stuff, he, he wasn't negative, but talking shit about this stuff that I've put in my mind for so long. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to hate him because his, I was mad at him because he did this thing that helped me do so much. Do you know what I mean? He mm-hmm. it really does. It's still to this day, I can read an interview and feel more inspired to go teach the next morning, do you know, right. more inspired to get up and do my practice yeah. more intensely the next morning, you know, it still does something for me. And that was the time I was really wanting to go to that old little room and have those experiences and I didn't get them. So the book is the closest I can get, you know? Yeah. Um, but a lot of the conclusions about the physical practice that he talked about and how, you know, especially near the end when he started talking about releasing the physical practice and what we're really supposed to be doing all this for and doing all these things with our body is not really what we're, our body needs to be functional. It doesn't need to be able to put it, our leg behind our head in, you know, with our elbow wrapped around our foot and all that shit. Right. It doesn't, that's not required. That's well beyond uh, the movement we actually need. Um, but when I, what I was, when I was talking about Arizona and what I was coming up with in my body that started happening there, I don't know why or what happened, but something started shifting and, um, I had to work through my attachment to doing the practice and I had to make peace with how I felt about it because I was angry that I lost it. And I still have days where I get angry because I still enjoy some things and I miss, I can't do dropbacks anymore right now. I just can't do it. So, and I miss doing dropbacks. I love the way I felt after I did mm-hmm. them, you know? So I came to a lot of the same ideas about the physicality of our practice and that he came to just through a different way. He kind of did it getting away from that system, you know, mm-hmm. where I want to do it through the system, you know, mm-hmm. like the system works for me. I don't necessarily want to practice for an hour and a half every day. Um, I don't care if I can, I can do a headstand like for hours if I want to, I have no problem. I can do a couple of them reaches <laughs> pretty easily. <laughs> I can do full Padmasana easily, you know, mm-hmm. I can do I can do Bada Padmasana after a full practice. If I don't do a full practice, I can kind of grab one hand and not the other, you know. 
but it was it was like through looking at what I I lost for lack you know quotations mm-hmm. for lack of a better phrase rather and and shifting that view into looking at it as an evolution you know how how do I feel right now I feel pretty pretty damn good all the time mm-hmm. um and partially that's coming from the other stuff I'm doing. That's it's got to do with this mantra I've gotten from who I call Guruji now. And it's got to do with the puja I do in the morning, uh, changing the energy mm-hmm. in, within myself. But also that then tapped back into the asana practice and pulling that energy into the asana practice. So it's not just trying to kill myself to do this stuff. It's just, okay. One day I'll get up and I feel like I'm going to do Surya A and Surya B. And then I'm like, okay, I'm done. Then I do a headstand. I do the three Padmasanas. And I'm like, oh, that was great. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do that. And then I do the full Ashtanga Pranayama sequence because I learned that years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and that feels really amazing because that sequence is, I, I don't do it for as long as they used to teach it. <laughs> I do a half an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, half an hour version but it feels amazing when you do a little asana and then that you have all this energy mm-hmm. some days I feel like okay that wasn't enough I got to do more I'll do standing and closing some days I do standing all the way to Marichasana C and then closing and some days I do intermediate up to Pinchamayarasana and then closing you know some days I do yeah, some days I do nothing some <laughs> days I do a little I just recently started doing a, there's a nice kundalini sequence sitting that flexes your spine in all different ways mm, with your yeah. breath. And my back feels great after that. I did it this mm. morning. And I did, then I did the Ashtanga Pranayama sequence. And I was like, wow, I feel like, you know. Yeah. Can I, can I ask you a follow-up question? One time in public, uh, I was, we were doing the history of Ashtanga yoga, I think. And you, you announced uh, in class that you had received a, the Mulabanda adjustment from Sri K. Pachabi yeah. Joyce. Yeah. And what did you think what was happening when you received that adjustment? I, at the time, this is that week I told you about where I was climbing in the afternoons with this oh, friend. Yeah. In Boulder, and I Colorado. was there for the first, for the first <laughs> week. I end up staying the second week also, but I, I had never successfully done anything except for Marichasana B. After that, everything was kind of a fumble around thing. And Sharat sat with me and put me in C and D and held me in it two or three days in a row. And then after that, I could get it. And then put my arms through in Garbapin Dasna, clasped my hand. <laughs> so I was already like beyond my mental. I couldn't mentally think about anything else to do with my physical body. I was <laughs> at capacity, you know? Yeah. Um, But I also was tired and sore all day after class. Do you know what I mean? I was just super lazy before this in my life. Not lazy like, I, I, but you know, I would go to work, I would go party, but the rest of the time I laid on the couch and, you know, yeah. ordered dinner out. That was, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was a new thing for me to do all this stuff with my body. And it was the second week that I was there I had stayed near the back because Sherrod helped me so much in the back. And this is back when the mats were overlapping 250 people in this church and your sweat's dripping in someone's eyeball and their sweat's (laughs) dripping up your nose. And you didn't, you were like, wow, this is phenomenal. I don't care. It's amazing. (laughs) Uh, 
and so I had decided the second week I was going to move further up because Batavi was, he was 85. Uh, no. 80? Yeah, maybe it was 85. It was, 90, it was 2000, so he was 85. Yeah, yeah. And so he was getting a little older. He didn't go around the whole room. Saraswati was back here. Shrat was where I was, and he stayed in the front. So I went, moved up a little bit. Um, <clears throat> my lumbar spine has always, it used to be degenerative. My dad and my sister both have a degenerative parts of their spine. And mine was like that in my lumbar spine. So Karnapidasana, you know, like your legs are up, but my knees would be way up here. They never dropped all the way down by my head. They were way mm -hmm. up here. And I was totally happy with it. Cause you know what, you know, I was, my knees were like close to my face. It was phenomenal to me. <laughs> and I just remember, and you know, Guruji was famous for cracking his jokes during class and doing all this stuff. So he came up and he leaned in where he could see my eyes. And then he put his hand kind of over my anus, but mostly in my, my taint, my perineum, yeah. you know, and then pushed my knees all the way down to the ground and then pushed in on my perineum, mm -hmm. like not inserted anything but pushed in on my perineum and then once i at first i was like <laughs> you know i totally was freaking out because mm. my i was thinking about my back's gonna break and i'm you know and all of a sudden i relaxed and that area where he was pushing my perineum kind of sucked in you know that kind of a just a subtle lift mm -hmm. and as soon as that happened he moved his hand and he leaned up where he could see my eyes again and he winked and then he left <laughs> and after and so but, you know, that day was the first day I was not tired after class. I felt energized after class. And I mm. thought, oh, is this this thing they're talking about, this Mulabanda thing that I didn't know? Five months I've been practicing. I didn't know about that. Mm -hmm. But after that, I real I felt differently. So I thought, okay, this is an area of exploration I've got to do. It was only once he did it, too. He was, Nancy did that, too. Nancy picks a thing. Hers is mostly Udiyanabanda. And she will put her hand into your body mm -hmm. in some god-awful posture, usually in Trikonasana. And at the end in uh, Padmasana, she'll get her thumbs right next to your navel and go all the way to your spine. Mm -hmm. Once she feels the energy of it shift, she'll, she'll done and she'll never touch you again. Mm -hmm. And that was what I, he did. This is like the second day of that week. He did it once and he never did it again because it's like he saw that I got what he was trying to get me to do and then he walked away. Mm -hmm. We had a friend who said the same thing. She said, yeah, I, I felt the adjustment. I understood what it did and it made sense and something shifted. Though, we, mm -hmm. you know, we, we know other people who felt that it was a, an evasion of, of um, privacy. If you ever talk to Nancy, she always says he taught her Mulabanda with his hand and she is very mm -hmm. succinct about it and says she felt it. And once she got it, he never touched her again. And... I'm not poo-pooing the people who have the others, you know, that's, everyone has their own experience. I can only say my experience and what Nancy told me about. Right. She was very open talking about it in front of a group at a, when Saraswati was doing a cooking class, she was telling us all this story. Yeah, we, so. I hosted Nancy at my Shala in Victoria before and she, I mean, I think it's a question people would ask her about quite often. So she's yeah. very open about speaking about it. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Hmm. well well thank you for for sharing that i i know mm -hmm. it's a it's a touchy subject and our listeners constantly um write in asking us to to talk about it and i think you have an interesting perspective and, I, and i'm just grateful that you would that you'd share it um 
I'm really, I'm really excited and curious and bewildered. On Sunday, you're moving to India. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> on Sunday, I'm, I'm leaving from Germany, flying to India. So I have a lot to do on Sunday. There's lots of paperwork and lots of up, uploading what? and all kinds of shit. Or so where are you going to live? What are why you going to do you, there? What's, why are you living happening? there? What What's going on for you? Like, are you, you got a work okay, visa. So you, have a, you have a boyfriend? Yes. I, I didn't get a work visa. It's a business visa. It's a, business new, visa. It's a new thing. It's a, okay. Yeah. So the year I was talking about earlier when I was there and I went to Kamakya and I wrote all that stuff, mm-hmm. um, I met a person, in, a guru, and I'll tell you the whole story if you're okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, please. My Harsha is my astrologer who's a dear friend of mine who lives in Mysore, born and raised there. And some years back, he had given me this card. Let me get it. I'll show you. I still carry it. I keep it on my altar. Hmm. Of He got it at Meenakshi Temple and it's Pratyangira. Nice. I don't know if you can see it. She's Hanuman, got a lion Hanuman. head and she rides. She is, no, she has a male lion head. And she mm-hmm. has got a female body mm-hmm. and she rides a male lion. Mm-hmm. And he said, I don't know why, but I need to give you this card. And I said, okay, why did you buy this card? He said, they have all these cards. And this one, I said, I need to buy and give it to you. I said, okay. <clears throat> so then that drew my attention to Pratyangira. I'd never heard of this goddess. And, you know, I have a love for all this stuff. So I do a lot of mm-hmm. research and I go to temples and, so that year I was there, um, I went to Kamakia in February, 2019. And in April, there was a friend of mine who is Indian, uh, from Maharashtra, but she comes to my sort of study and she lives in San Diego though. So her grandmother worshiped Pratyangira. So when she heard me talk about it, she mentioned that. And we found this Pratyangira temple outside of Bangalore in Tamil Nadu. Because I didn't know Bangalore is right on the border of Tamil Nadu. Yeah. So it's like it's like you can rent a car and go there for the day. So we did. And it's 35 feet tall, the Pratyangira on the it's it's really crazy amazing. It's a beyond explanation. She has Rahu and Ketu as her earrings because supposedly oh, cool. if you worship her, she's so powerful, they're irrelevant in your chart, you know. Mm. Kind of thing. Fantastic. Nice. Um yeah so that happened we went and visited that temple that was april uh my friend ross i don't know if you know like on instagram ashtanga yoga ross he's a good friend of mine he's oh yeah i know saraswati yeah yeah he's a good friend of mine and when we're there together we always go temple hopping so we went into the there's near the train stations that little muslim district where they do lots of i had a i had a Jyotish ring made there one time. Mm-hmm. And there's a little temple that is sometimes the goddess inside is Kali. Sometimes she's Saraswati. Sometimes she's Bhairavi. Sometimes she, mm. they change her daily, oh, wow. depending on what the energy of the moon is for that cycle of that day. Mm-hmm. And when we were walking, it's a great temple. It's like, I love taking people to these temples because this is like a hidden one. No one would ever go to. And it has the most amazing Nagas in the back. It's just phenomenal. Mm. Anyway, we were coming out and putting on our flip-flops and he said there was a flyer glued to the wall and he looked at it and he said, isn't this that temple that Harsha gave you that card for? So I took a photo of it and forgot about it. 
we drove back home, blah, blah, blah. That was it, you know. A um, couple weeks later, his he had brought a friend that summer and she was going to do some work on a Sunday. So he was free and he said, what are you doing today? I said, I got nothing. He said, did you ever look up that temple? And I said, no. So I pulled it up, got the directions on Google Maps, and we hopped on my scooter and drove out there. It's 16 kilometers outside the city, uh, 16 kilometers from Gokulam. The city kind of is, mm-hmm. it's actually out near where Sherat's property is now off Bogarty Road. Oh, yeah. Um, maybe it's like a half a mile, three-fourths of a mile from that property. Oh, wow. So we drove out there, and it's a it's a kind of a farm area and there's not much out there and then you pop up and there's this and the temple in the kerala style which is small Mm -hmm. you know but there's candles like ghee candles on the all the outside of the building but the door is small and inside the deity is small so we were there for a while meditating and just kind of looking around and uh, one of the guys came over and talked to us and he spoke really great english because he was an it person in bangalore and found this guru and decided to quit his job and move there with him. And he said, oh, come, Guruji wants to meet you. So we go sit in this little weird office with, not weird office, it's just a room. But it was uh, summer, so there were lots of flies because there's chickens next door and they, right. they lots of flies are birthed in their poop. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we talked to him for 10, 15 minutes. And then he said, okay, you can go. And he's kind of a gruff, little short, heavy guy, you know, the white beard and uh something about the energy in that temple really got me mm. and it was this goddess Pratyangira that i had heard about years before so i'm like okay i'm gonna go back out there maybe in a week or so a couple of days later i kept feeling feeling this pulling so i drove back out there anyway i started uh going out there two three four times a week and every time i would go this little guruji would give me some prasad, like a pile, a huge pile and watch me eat it. And then he would pull me in his office and talk to me for sometimes 20 minutes, sometimes two hours, you know. And finally, one day he just decided he wants to teach me everything about his path of Tantra and this goddess and how to use this temple and I should move there. And I said, okay. And he said, now, tomorrow you come. And I said, well, I have a ticket to Germany to teach. And then I have to go to to Arizona and teach for six months. He said, cancel, you cancel it. <laughs> and I said, well, I really can't cancel it. Um, I would feel bad. And he said, I, I met with him later and talked to him and he was like, okay, I understand. That's fine. But you come straight back after that. And then of course COVID hit. Right. Oh, so we text a lot. We, we video chat, do all this stuff. And chimney crickets. Um, finally, when India sounded like they were kind of going to creep open a little bit, I was, putting my feelers out. And then they talked about this 30 day visa. And I'm like, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So I sent him a text and I said, Hey, Guruji, I don't know what to do. There's only 30 days. He said, I told you to cancel your plans. You would have been stuck here with me for two years and been fine. Now this is what you get. You're stuck there. <laughs> and he's, this is what I would say to somebody. So he's good for me. Cause he's, he's on, he's on my, <laughs> um, yeah. he's on my, on my frequency. Yeah. Anyway. So, I discovered there's this year, this year business visa, and it's where you kind of have to have a contact, uh, an Indian contact with a business, and then you are your own business mm-hmm. or right. have a business. 
work together and can have business meetings and stuff. <laughs> and I sent, I, he and I video chatted and talked about it. And he said something, he said, this sounds like the right thing. So give them my info. And when they call me, I'll tell them, okay, you're my, you're my shisha. You're coming to work for my temple. And that's what we're, that's, so that's what we're doing. They approved it. Wow. You're doing business together. So, <laughs> oh. I'm, we're doing business together. I'm just, he's gonna, he's putting me, he's gonna feed me and give me a bed and I, uh, just get to go there and we're gonna I, take care yeah. of chickens. So care- it's what I've looked. No, no, no. They're at a different farm. Are you going to practice? Are you going to do that? Are you going to do yoga? I'll probably, I asked him about practicing and teaching and he said, you should always teach. He said, that's the door. That's how you get in. And then when they want something mm-hmm. de- deeper, you'll teach them what I'm going to teach you. And I said, okay, okay. I can do that. Wow. So wow. I, my practice, I imagine will be similar to what it is now, smaller, but it'll be, oh. I need to do it. My back gets bad really quick if I don't do it. It's, it's no, uh, no, I mean, will you go and be with Sharat in the morning? No. Okay. <laughs> I am not going to practice with Sharat. I, I, I'm not opposed to doing that again in the future, but right now where I am, I'm looking for something else, you know, and this is what okay, I'm looking for. So it, uh, okay. it's Tantra and it's not sex Tantra like everyone in the West seems to think <laughs> it is. It's real Tantra and he's a bit of his story has been out there. Now he's, had some interviews. I think that's, that's only in the seventies. No, no, it's no. still now. Come on. In the seventies, they think. <laughs> I can give you the numbers of people in New York, gay men in New York who are tantric teachers who teach you how to touch yourself and others properly. Yeah, those those people. (laughs) Well, so how could people study study with you if they want to still work with you? It feels like you're going to be gone for forever. I don't know how people. Well, it's. It's not so far outside of my source, so they could come out there. I have to wait. You know, I really don't know what I'm going to be in for. He could be putting me to work all day long, or he could let me teach if I want to, or not. I don't know. So I'm I'm going there at his mercy, doing what he's going to ask me to do and see what goes on with that. And then mm-hmm. um, a friend of mine is working on opening a retreat center in an uh, area of Uttarakhand called Pauri. That is, it's... 20 minutes outside of this little oh. village in, in the Himalayas. And I, he asked me to be a part of it. And then he'll sponsor me to have a work visa. Cause now oh, I nice. can't work and make money doing right. this. Yeah. I can only work with Guruji. So mm-hmm. um, if I can get a work visa at this thing in, in the North and it won't be ready till the end of the year when my visa runs out anyway. So it's possible I can switch to doing this. It's possible I could just try and get another year visa and stay with him longer but if I get the other visa and go teach for 15 to 20 day retreats in the Himalayas and come back and study more and live, it's kind of my, it's kind of up in the air right now. Mm-hmm. Well, what I'd like to do is encourage our listeners, if you're going to be going to India and going to Mysore and to Gokulam, is to please get Satinder's details and check in on him. <laughs> make sure, and make he's, sure okay. he's okay. And he's not, you know, a sex slave, for example. Well- <laughs> You know, yes, it's something yes, nice. You yes. just check in. I think I won't. See if you can you develop a secret coded language <laughs> beforehand. Okay. You do. Okay. You give some pretty so, well, I, uh, good temple tours also of mm. all the different temples in the area. So. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm, I hope he still lets me do that, but it really needs to be like on a Friday night to go all of the goddess ones because that's really when it's phenomenal on Friday nights there. Right. <laughs> but I'm going to, on Sharat's website, change my address to this new address. Oh, cool. I'm going to put it there. So we'll okay. see if that, as the teaching, if he allows it, because, you know, he may mm-hmm. not, but we'll see. Okay. Amazing. I'm going to try and do it before I go. You're... And so people will have access to that info. Well, you are a phenomenal. You know I'm gonna. You know I'm gonna post on Facebook. You'll be on Facebook, you know gonna... Instagram. <laughs> well, yeah. you... I can't. I can't quit that. You are a phenomenally <laughs> colorful figure in our community, and I just want to thank you for sharing with us uh, a piece of who you are and what you're about. And, and uh, thank you. Thanks for having I me. I do hope people check in on you. Yeah, I wish I could go over to yeah. India and check in. It'd be nice. Yeah, know. I miss it. Get a temple tour. I miss well, it, but now we have a dog. Your... <laughs> Attachments. Oh, well, you leave Russell at home to take care of the dog, and you can come over and visit. Yeah, that's be... true. That actually is not such a bad idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one day, one day, when <laughs> travel becomes a little easier again. Mm, if... <laughs> It's, it's so not easy right now, but no. you know, that's why I think if it's, if I was going for 30 days, this would never happen. But if it's right. for a year, the idea is. Yeah, yeah that's incredible. What an amazing opportunity. Yeah, I'm very, I'm excited. I'm kind of coming out of my skin and I'm trying not to because, you know, they probably won't let me travel without my flesh. But no, um, <laughs> no we've seen that not work before. <laughs> Keep the flesh on for now, for now. (laughs) I will, I will, I will. But, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I've got all this energy. I'm like, yes, I want to go now. And each day is like creeping by. But it's only Sunday, so it's It's coming. Yeah, you're right there. Yeah. Good. Well, thank you so much for coming on our show today. Thank you, Sata. Thanks for having me. So before we go, just a quick reminder that the Finding Harmony Inner Circle membership will be open for enrollment until January 31st. Head on over to harmonyslater-programs.com to sign up, check out the show notes. You get special Finding Harmony episodes as well as weekly Mysore classes, a monthly Yoga Sutra study group, and a monthly pranayama class, and a whole entire library of over 200 videos, pre-recorded classes, mantras, meditations that you can enjoy on your own time, and also a few special workshops as well. So I hope you'll join and become a member. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Standing in eternity's shadow, watching the breaking.